BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Jordan Grace and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Bang. Hey, folks. Welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd. Hear me. I have Rich Lotto. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, ready for another great episode of One Nation Radio. It's July 4th tomorrow. Uh, yeah. How are you, you going to prove you love this country, James? Uh, I'm getting my ass up at 7.30 to go work out at 9.30 around um, a bunch of people at this boot camp that um, are going to be wearing red, white, and blue. So I think that is... <laughs> I th- and I think that if I don't wear red, white, and blue, they're going to make me do extra work. So, but I'm not going. But I don't oh, change no. up like they like Chris like the Christmas thing or whatever Christmas Eve or whatever else. They were like, if you don't wear you know red or green or whatever else, you're like, well, I guess I'll be doing that. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to change what I wear or buy more stuff just to go to the gym that I pay you to go work out. Fuck that. So, uh, yeah, um, I'll thug yeah. it out. You get you one of those, uh, some of them shorts that say 1776 on them and, and all that kind of shit. Uh, <laughs> nah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the other pants. I'm gonna get the other pants that say 1619 on them. Oh, you stupid. <laughs> How about that? Well, you How you love that? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. I don't know if y'all ever see my books next to it. Yeah. <laughs> For your ass. Yeah. How about that? How you love that? You know, with some with some uh, sixteen nineteen project shorts. How you love that? 
So so you're not pulling out the shirt with the little American flags on the side of the sleeve? Like, that's that's not coming out tomorrow? Nah, I think, like, the best you're going to get out of me is, like, you'll see me with, like, like a Michael Jordan or Kobe or LeBron or Iverson, like, Team USA jersey. Uh, that that's about the best you'll get out of me at uh, this stage. May- Hell, you, you said nineteen seventy six. Fine, a Doctor J throwback. <laughs> the best I got for you, bro. I should have um I should have brought my USA windbreaker up here to troll. Um, I don't have it on me right now, but uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, but you know, I, I know some people that were. Uh, you know, I don't know if we're gonna be celebrating necessarily. I know a couple people that were celebrating. Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet in this heist of a century that they pulled from the Houston Rockets. Um, NBA free agencies just got underway, and these people are handing out millions of upon millions of dollars to bums, comparatively speaking. Um, I don't know how someone looks at the game footage of Dylan Brooks in the playoffs in this regular season and decides I'd like to pay eighty million dollars for it. I this is new. This is these are new levels of tricking, James. I I, I know they have a sal- salary floor. Yeah, they have to make up and mm-hmm. everything like that. But when 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 I see this come through, I'm I'm just baffled, befuddled. So team leader Dylan Brooks now. Yeah. So how yikes. I said yikes. These boys are staring at 15 wins. How many wins did they have last year? Uh chat, please look up the amount of Houston uh, wins that the Houston Rockets had last season. Yeah, they were please. like the, they were either the worst or second worst team in the conference last year. Um so I think it's I think it's quite um appropriate that about a week ago, I was like, why the hell does, is the free agent period starting like at five on a Friday in the afternoon? Like it's a fucking news dump. Like, like the time you normally do when you like, Hey, we got a scan. We got to fire somebody where you do it on, where you go into the weekend. So that, so the, you know, the media doesn't mob up on you and you got to have a press conference, and answer a bunch of questions that time gets disseminated or sorry, the, the, the information gets disseminated and people have died down. There's not actually the kind of thirst to try to get, same number of answers 48 hours, Wrestling 72 fans. hours later. Y'all are familiar with this concept. All those Vince McMahon news dumps and firings usually happen on Fridays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, same thing. So, uh, Wasabi Kings, they went 22 and 60 last year. Yeah. Prepare to lose more. They're not They're they're, they're not winning 30. Um, but I, I think the thing for me was like, look, seeing the Fred Van Vliet one first, right? Like, okay, that's a bit too expensive. But they, you know, they're so far below the salary floor. They got to spend that money. They have a bunch of cap room. They got to they got to share it out to somebody. Okay, fine. And also, like, you trust him in the locker room uh, with like Jabari, uh, Jabari, and, and Jalen, and um, the the new pick they just got in or whatever else. Because like, you know, a lot of I, mean, I think they were dead last in 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 team assists per game last year. Like, they just fucking AAU and they just go up and down. Whoever brings the ball over half court, this person gets to shoot. Um, shit was embarrassing. You know, they have M.A. Yudoka there. So he's like, all right, you get somebody that's not going to put up with that bullshit. And you also have an adult in the room that has like, you know, been a champion and somebody you, you can, you know, show the ropes t- to some of the younger guys, to some of those young draft picks, high draft picks. Okay, fine. 
But then you add Dylan Brooks and I'm like, okay, what the fuck is this? Because this dude just got sent off of a team that had his best player like unable to like show his face on social media without displaying a gun. And he was in that locker room and it's like, all right, if he couldn't stop, if he couldn't stop the guy that's averaging 25, five and five from, from flashing guns, what's he going to do? What's he going to do with Jalen green? Get him to stop doing stupid shit. Um, like there is no leadership quality there. Otherwise that shit would never happen in, in Memphis or it wouldn't happen twice. Along with all the other stuff that y'all got into, right? So, um, score another point for Draymond here. He he told he told him he was like, hey, that shit. If they gonna win, that shit's gonna happen after you, bro. Um, so this is a person that showed zero accountability as things were going bad throughout that Lakers series when he you know he punched LeBron in the balls, um. You know, he talked all that shit about you got to go. He got to go score forty on me, or he and talked earlier in the year, earlier time about he can't go left, and then LeBron went by him going left to, to hit a you know game winning layup or whatever else. And every time that stuff happened, what he do? He he shirked from responsibility and ducked smoke and hid from cameras and walked out at one point after one of the games without washing his ass, given how fast he avoided the media. So you're now having that guy come to that locker room like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, if your idea is, well, we're still going to stink and we're still going to get, you know, top eight draft picks, cool. Next year's draft sucks. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think that this is a function of this NBA um, right now and the exploding money is just like going to look even crazier. We had a talk earlier talking about the lockout in the 90s. And <laughs> some of the players that the league freaked out that they were getting paid, right? Oh, you and, want me to go through down that rant again? Well, well, I'll get to that in a second, okay. but I, I just want to talk about what I said earlier. I was like, I'm glad Bill Russell didn't wasn't around to see any of this. <laughs> To watch this money go to these bums like this when, when he had to run up and down uh, the, the floor in those Chuck Taylors uh, right. at the ankle, you know, when, when he had to have Bostonians shit on his bed. <laughs> that happened. He had to yeah. fly coach. <laughs> yeah. He had to fly coach in the league. They didn't have. Well, did they have the fly coach or were they on trains? I, I, I mean, they. they I know Elgin Baylor was on trains. Elgin oh, Baylor was, remember, he's going from, from, from doing his army duty to games. He was on trains. See, uh, you know, when Big O opened up his newspaper this morning, what do you think, uh, you know, he, he, he thought when he saw Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks Brooks for a combined $210 million, I would like to think that the Big O threw something at a wall. Do you think he was more mad once he heard that, like, Jock Landell also got 32 on top of that? Or do you think he was just mad when he just heard about the first two? I think the first two because, like, those are, like, uh, one of them was a point guard. So. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm just saying, like, because, you know, well, then again, I don't know how much he oh, may have, like, respect Fred Van Lee's game because much like players in the 60s, he had a 60s. Uh, free th- or field goal percentage shooting hey. at thirty nine percent. So hey, he did take the big O's advice in two thousand nineteen and get up <laughs> on Steph Curry. So maybe 
Fred Van Vliet is in the good graces of Big O by getting up on him. <laughs> sure, sure, but I don't know how much that was. How much that was Fred Van Vliet or the part where like there's no Clay, there's no Durant, and they're running boxing one and triangle two on Steph. <laughs> I never felt I never felt worse for Steph in my life watching that watching the end of that series. Uh yeah, man. Um, a lot of nasty bad. business going on in the NBA. Yeah, like I mean, look. I, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, there's, there's a bunch of contracts where you just look at it and, like, it's obviously, you know, every year it's, it's like this as the uh, salary cap has gone up a year over the few years or whatever else because it's really jumped from, like, 2016 uh, to to now. Uh, but, like, the sticker shock on some of the stuff is, like, I'm not even I'm not even fun or I'm not even tripping on the, the sticker shock because I'm, like, that's cool. What's the percentage of the cap is it? And, like, oh, you're giving – oh, you're, 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 you're giving – um, <laughs> you're giving uh, Fred VanVleet forty million dollars. You're you're giving him, you're giving him more than twenty percent of the cap. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Like you're paying all this money to suck. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, like you there, know, there's no upside on this. Like yeah. there's no scenario. Like you know how they talk about alternate timelines. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those alternate timelines, the Houston Rockets is gonna be sorry. Yeah. yeah, every one of them. Yeah, yeah. Like they're in a worse position. They're in the worst position than Timberwolves are when they're like, you know, they're going to be forced to trade Carl Anthony Towns. But at least, like. Shit, at least they got a star player. Exactly. That's why I said they're in a better position. Like, because that shit's going to be bad or whatever else. And, like, maybe it'll go bear shit still stinks or whatever else. And he may ask for a trade and be, you know, to be moved with that new contract he just signed. But at least you know you're going to get the farm when you get, when you get, get off him. I, there's no farm coming to come fix this in five years for them. For the Rockets. No one's like, coming to save Til- you, Houston. Til- Tillman Fertitta. Bro. Um, James, we should well, be asking if they actually have enough money to pay this. Well, I was about to say, I was about to say, like, you know, like clearly the way they're giving out these contracts, this is this is being ran like a money laundering front. Like, we have to start asking real questions as 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 to whether like whether or not like Tillman Fertitta is selling dope. Because these are these these are people this is money laundering decisions. <laughs> Is is he going through Cloverland? <laughs> is, is he the supplier? I, look, I I don't know, man. I, I don't know what's going on. But um, is there any other ones that you saw and you were like, any other uh, teams yeah. you make decisions? You're like, I, what the hell's going on? I wanted to talk about how Draymond Green finagle his way to to having the Warriors ship out Jordan Poole. And swindle himself a hundred million dollar contract in the process. It was four years, right? Yes, bro. And think then about they this. they brought in Chris Paul for for Jordan Poole, and I'm like, I don't know any any circumstance I make that trade. I think they're a better team. Um, obviously, you know Chris is going to get hurt at the end, but like I look. Watching Jordan Poole in that Lakers series, do you do you think that's better than someone not playing? <laughs> that, that was awful. He was he did abysmal. not have a good series, right? But they definitely don't win that title last year without him. That's true, um, but the thing is, it wasn't just he had two bad or a bad series. He had two bad series. They should look looking back in retrospect. How far away are they actually? Because they went to Game Seven against the Kings with some modest bonus on the floor. Another person just got a bag. Uh, oh my god! 
Yeah, I, I think that's some. Oh, there's something else we're gonna talk about regarding Donatus Sabonis and, and and yeah, yeah, we we gonna talk about yeah, it. Sabonis, uh, Halliburton got a bag. Uh, um, who else? Um, Lamelo got Lonzo, got the, got the max too. Lamelo, yep, yeah. Uh, Anthony Edwards, yep. And um, but yeah, the whole thing with Draymond, like he swindled the Warriors into giving him a hundred million dollars and knowing that by the end of that contract, hell, even at the start of that contract. Ain't that much more left? Yeah, yeah. It's it's they blew up the two con- the two timeline concept. Like they were always trying to you know play for now and play for the future when they you know with Draymond and Steph and Clay and then with like Wise when they had Wiseman when they had Kaminga or half still have Kaminga still have uh, Moody and they had Jordan Poole and the whole lot and even uh, like oh never mind uh, like the whole idea was we can compete now and then when they get old we'll have these new guys carry it and it's like then they got to this year and like include Wiggins with new with the newer with the older guys too because uh, he's kind of a middle child but like you got to the uh, you got to like last year when Kaminga starts playing those 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 Wiggins minutes while Mick, Miggins, Wiggins is gone and he's playing well and then Wiggins comes right back and Lightman goes right back to the role he had before. Yeah, people can be like, "What the fuck?" Like I played well and you I, like what do you tell people like young dudes? You know, don't let go of the robe, stay 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 locked in, all that kind of stuff. Come play and all that stuff. And, all the and then and then when it's time and then when it's time for him to you know then he. He plays well, and then like he's not rewarded for opportunity, and it's like it's not like they couldn't use him against in that in that King series when everything's ping ponging a mile or a hundred miles a minute in that whole series, or when they're playing the Lakers, they could use him. They didn't, and you know a lot. And apparently, it was a fracture amongst the locker room that started back with the punch and everything. And you know, Jordan Poole did not play well, and then you know they did the whole thing where like Poole was like, "All right, well, Draymond's one hundred percent wrong on this. It got leaked out." And they didn't even spin Draymond for punching the motherfucker uh, for stealing on some, on his own teammate because it was ring night. Uh, they would have to spin him for, and it's like, okay, well, now you have a prohibitive luxury tax that is going to be even worse now with his new CBA and the second apron shit. And they're going to have to dismantle this team piece by piece. And like they basically said, hey, give us the last year of that Chris Paul uh, contract. Uh, maybe Jordan Poole straightens himself out, but we ain't finna be around to see it because he need, we need to get his money off the books so we can lower this tax, uh, this luxury tax price. And I mean, be be on the lookout. Look, I think it's a real thing to lo- be on the lookout for, like what they're gonna do with Clay next year. Because Clay, the way he's been talking ever since he came back from his Achilles, is he wants to be paid like he's still Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson ain't Clay Thompson no more, but he still wants to be paid like it. So. I think, hey, and I think hey, he's and the one that's going out the door first. Look, and if you see, if you create Clay Thompson, you're looking at Draymond like, hold on, y'all gave this thing $100 million? Right. What I'm getting. Right. Right. Well, I don't give a fuck. I came back twice. And the weird thing get. about it is now at this stage in the game, Draymond's more valuable than Clay. That's never been the case before. Yeah. Clay's going to have to really Clay, come could, back firing, like, like, you know. But maybe his legs are gone. Maybe you know. I, I, I mean, yeah, his leg. I mean, he's. Ne- I mean, he has never been the de- or he has not been a defensive player since. Which obviously, of course, he wasn't. Like he tore his ACL, then tore an Achilles. But um, the way he ran out of gas at the end, or like from basically 
got worse and worse progressively through after each single game, like he's James Harden against the Lakers. It was like, um, it was bad. It, it, it was bad. Um, and, you know, like, if he goes somewhere else, maybe, you know, he'll get his money. I don't think he'll be as happy. Obviously, he'll come back and get his jersey retired and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, it'll be a real end of an era. Four titles. Yeah, yeah. It'd be sad. Like, I, I kind of, like, want to see all these guys end it together. But I don't know well, how that ends well, up happening. You know how I felt about, like, the, the Warriors run. Like, I want to see Clay and Steph retire together. I don't give a fuck. I, like, Draymond's done so much stuff that I'd be like, bro, you have co- you have cost them a title. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Uh, you have you are, you are the main reason, the main reason only for anybody to dislike old Drake. I guess to take, like before Durant showed up. Like, there's no reason whatsoever to dislike the Warriors except well, for Draymond. Well, the niggas was blocking LeBron, so they 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 you know. No, they, no, no. They, I, I don't they, care about the LeBron stand part of it. I'm talking about like the general sports fan watching them. Like they were, they were perfect. They were perfect to watch. They, they, yeah, they talked some shit or whatever else, but they were phenomenal to watch. They were great and all that kind of stuff. But the only issue was like, if you had anything to you'd be like, oh, this Draymond dude's an asshole, right? And that was always Aiming like at the nuts. Look, him, him, and Chris Paul next year, man, all the nuts got to got to watch out between them two. They're gonna be fighting over it. Who, who gets the swing first? I don't know whether or not they're going to be the most annoying team of the of, uh, in recent years, or if they're just going to be the most tech team. I don't know, because like Dray- Draymond be getting away with stuff. There's like anybody else is getting ejected, and he's like, "Oh, this he like this should be his fourth tech." Like he's they like, treat- just give me my first one and get out of the way. That's what that's how he treats it, bro. Because I know you're not going to call a second one, bro. On it's ridiculous. Like he treats it like to see how to see how he's treat like defensive holding. It's like you can't call on every play. It's like nah. Throw his ass out of every single game until he fucking stops. It's, it's, it's really simple. If you throw his ass out of, of three games in a row, he'll fucking stop the bullshit. Um, in other news, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are retaining the services of Austin Reeves uh, for a mere, and Rui, I believe, and Rui Hachimura. And, uh, and, uh, and D'Angelo Russell and at a huge discount. Look, and we made uh, a, a nice signing of Nigerian basketball legend Gabe Vincent, uh, which was a move that I was like, yes, I like. I didn't want no parts of no Kyrie, nothing. I was like, right, G- give me somebody like Gabe Vincent. Mm-hmm. Um, but Austin Reeves, I want, I want to focus on his contract uh, because he's a restricted free agent. He's coming back, I believe, four years, maybe fifty-six million dollars. Yeah. something out there. Yeah, it's 54 or 56, when, something like that. When I saw this, I was fucking befuddled. I was Same. shocked. I was like, huh? Right. And and James, I think I messaged uh, you. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I was like immediately, I was like, he has to fire his agent. <laughs> immediately. Like, how do you not go find the money somewhere? Between right. what Duncan Robinson got a couple years ago, Right, which was ninety million. We know all these teams have money to spend. Someone paid Dylan Brooks eighty million dollars in the f- like you know days later. Bro, or whatever. Jordan Poole after last year in uh, hundred million dollar man and Tyler Hero after that after that finals run, both got hundred million dollar deals, hundred ten million dollar deals, just so they would not go into restricted free agency. I, I I'm like it, like. 
did the Lakers get this man in the room and say, we all a family? Like, what what happened here? Like, you know, have, have the other teams in the league, is, is there some, you know, like, are our white American brothers being dis- discriminated against in the NBA? Do we need to march on Washington for, for them to receive equal rights? When well, I see Demata Sabonis getting $217 million, is something weird going on here? Okay, so um, you made a point to me that I hadn't really considered before that, like, because of the you know the the part where this wasn't some great free agency class this year, and it won't be because everybody's basically signing on for their money now, and then they're like, no, it, w- our move will be via trade, like because we can get a trade with with over two years left on our deals now, um, but yeah, um, Seamus <laughs> Nova, this is why we need affirmative action back. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing for me was like. I had considered that, but at the same time, there were two teams in particular, like the Spurs and the Rockets, that like just out of due diligence have to throw out an $80 million contract offer sheet to Austin Reeves just so the Lakers don't get him at such at fit in the fifties, in the mid fifties. You just have to do it. And like if the Spurs had been like, oh damn, we got him for 80, he'd be like, great, because he really because a lot of people thought that he could have got a hundred. And given how good we think Wimbayama can be as a defensive player, which we think he could probably, he could tend to be defensive player of the year in year one. If his offense is, comes along, whatever else, Austin Reeves, that shit's not no fluke. This dude did this shit for three months um, or three I, months I of the season, assume, two months I of the season. Know. And then the playoffs for four, for three rounds. And like the dude can't be sped up. The dude Without gets, makes, gets contact. That dude is a bucket. It is what it is. It's Look, without insanity. LeBron, this is not a LeBron teammate. That's a specialist. That's uh This ain't JJ uh, Hickson getting dumped off, or or Clay T- or uh, was Tristan Thompson getting dump offs for dunks in offensive th- rebounding. This isn't a stationary guy waiting to be passed the ball. Like right. Um, and I can only assume that the league does think it was a fluke. Yeah. Which okay. Like Look. fluke, like Lynn Sanity or Flip Wilson, <laughs> that don't that stuff lasts for like you know four to six weeks or whatever else. Uh, what's your boy's name that went nuts once? Uh, the the Harden, I'm sorry, the uh, the KD and the uh, um, Kyrie trade started happening to Brooklyn before Mikel Bridges got there. Uh, Cam Thomas. Yeah, like stuff like that. That was a week. You know what I'm saying? Outbursts like that. Yeah, we've seen that. That's not that's not some you know that's not. We've seen people have outbursts or whatever else for a short stretch or whatever else. He was consistently a good offensive player that could get buckets and get to the line and could not be sped up and, and, made, and made the right decision over and over and over for months, months. Fearless. Fearless will pull from three in your face. In high-pressure like situations. Hillbilly Kobe. Well, look, look, I don't I wish the Lakers weren't whip, ripping you off, but the Laker Nation welcomes you. Yeah. So, you know, the Gabe Vincent news broke first. Then you start hearing like they're going to, you know, you're waiting to see what the number was going to be for uh for 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 Reese once like you got he got offer sheet for somebody cuz you know, Lakers base like we're going to match whatever else, which they should. And then uh, you see, like, the Gabe Vincent, what, 33 for three. The the number that we've been talking about with uh, Austin Reeves, 
was that what 38 30 mid 30s for for two years for d'angelo and i forgot where Rui got and you're just like it was four fifty one, four years for 51 or something like that for who Rui, Rui Hachimura, okay, and yeah. you're just like bro um i thought this was the second best team in the playoffs they lost to they got swept yes but they lost three excruciating games to the nuggets they have Gabe Vincent now instead of Schroeder, who's a much better Shoot. three point. Who's a much better three point shooter, and like they're gonna have you know knock on wood, AD can have another year like he had this year. Where he makes it playoffs throughout the whole entire playoffs and basically plays healthy, and he's the best defensive player alive again. And you hope LeBron doesn't blow a wheel out or is playing on a fucked up foot. They're going to be better. And the Nuggets just lost Bruce Brown. And maybe they think they can replace all of it with uh, with Christian Brown, but I don't think so necessarily. Like the margins were really thin to begin with. This could be like the beginning of a, of a like a rivalry. Um, I'm happy to see it. And like, it's weird after like last year when you look like those three. You looked at you know three of the teams in the East like they had the you know three of the four teams they had the best chance to win a title were in the East, but it's like, now I'm looking at it coming into next year and I'm like, oh, Nuggets and Lakers are going to win the title. That's how I feel. If obviously the Lakers, LeBron and AD's age and and injury history was like, those guys stay healthy. They have as good as chance as anybody but the Nuggets to win the title and those are going to be not, that's going to be a knockdown drag out series when they get to an East West Conference Finals next year. Yep. Um, I, bro, think about where this team was six months ago. The bottom. Right. That's crazy. Oh, by the way, Russell Westbrook, two years, $8 million. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. See, see how that man played in the playoffs and they want to hand this. They're handing Dylan Brooks $80 million, but Russell Westbrook is getting a tenth of that. I don't want either one of them on my team to try to what? create, but whatever. Sickening. Yeah. Sickening. Embarrassing um, for the league. Why didn't Dwight get on the phone with him? Uh, why didn't any of these teams call Dwight at this rate? I, well, well, I mean, I, well, it's over for Dwight in, a, in a, as NBA player. But I just mean as far as like, hey, like you want you really want to play for it? You really want to play for four million dollars a year, or do you want to come over here and play for like eight or twelve a year? You know, he Man, was doing Russ the paid. whole he was doing the whole thing where everybody was when everybody failed in the playoffs, come to Taiwan. I did not see a Dwight Howard, hey Russ, come to Taiwan. That should have happened. I mean, they, they, they was teammates recently. Dwight was on the team with Russ, I think. Oh last yeah, year. the first Russell so, year. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. He, you know, he, he probably, you know, probably Ain't no way they want. got along. Ain't no way. Oh, man, I, I all I want to do is play hard and all you want to do is clown. I don't know. Like, I they just got two different get downs. Like Dwight's too Dwight is too easy going, and Russ like is too is too like laser focused on like just trying to get the the objective accomplished in a stupid way, but still nonetheless the focus is still the focus. Look, I, I feel like I saw this ten years ago with Dwight in L.A. So, um, yeah, but one of them got a ring with L.A. <laughs> <laughs> The other one, he showed up. They're gonna call that man Westbrook. Amazing. Ru- Ru- Russ ain't getting no redemption in the Staples Smith. They ain't never heard a crip, whatever you want to call it. 
That ain't never happening. Hometown guy. Vilified. Man. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting. Shameful. Wrap your arms around this man. This was his first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. A guy that everybody says is a great teammate. And then he gets on the court and he and you watch him be like, I feel like y'all are lying. <laughs> but, but if you say so. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh let's switch it up, man. Um so uh normally we'd be we'd be going into uh Western wrestling, but we're gonna change it up this week. Uh, quite frankly, because uh, doesn't matter. Hit the music. Stardom. Yeah, man. Um, I'm excited to uh, to talk about. Uh, the stardom here. Um, I saw this the the two cage matches from last um, week's pay per view. Yeah, from last week's shows. And my God, um, <clears throat> people want to talk about storytelling in cinema. Saya Kamatani and Utami Hayashishta. Wipe their asses with your cinema. They wipe their asses with your storytelling. They look at it like child's play. Um, I guess I just want to jump to the main event first. Yeah, that's fine. That show. With, that's fine. With the Queen's Quest versus Odeo Tie. Loser leaves the unit. Um, this uh was a phenomenal match, I think. I think it is a match that even the dumbest person alive <laughs> could understand, right? Like <laughs> like I could sit I could sit a fucking 5-year-old down and tell him to watch this and follow what what's happening. It's like, yeah, the it's an elimination match uh and the and everyone's leaving one by one, but the leaders are getting the underlings out of there to fight and, and then the underlings are, are cheering them them along to fight for the unit like and the people that and this goes for both matches. Like yep. the, it comes down to the leaders at the end deciding yep. what happens while making sure their team is safe first. Um, or if and if it's not the leaders, it's at least like the top two in the is at least a top two in, in tenure in the faction. Yeah, and um, this one came down to uh, there was a impromptu Starlight Kid versus Azumi that just broke out in the middle of this, and I just totally forgot. Yep. Like they were both there, and then it's like, oh yeah, that's that's great. Um, there was a uh, I, I think this was like the Natsuko Tora Legacy game. So if if you were uh, if you are a big Nasco Tora fan, what's up, Velkej? Uh, I would probably be standing on the crate yelling about it uh, till the end of time uh, this, because you're not going to get many opportunities here. <laughs> this is like the match you fill in for what you thought was going to be that match he had versus uh, for the Red Bull versus Utami where she tore her knee and had to, they had to throw it out. You'd be like, well, I lost that. never got my chance. Ten minutes in or eight minutes in is looking real good for her. And then it's like it gets vanished and like nobody really wants to like you can't you can't even know what to do with that match. You'd be like, damn, that's unfortunate for her. Like she's gonna have her match or whatever else. 
and then this match is like, oh, just replace it. And, it's, and I mean, I'm pretty sure it's better than what that match was going to end up being, even by the time you got to the end of it, as well as it was going. Um, this is and, one of the, the better tag matches in Stardom history, or multi-person tag matches, or multi-person matches in Stardom history. It just is. Like, I just watched a five-on-five with the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club last week and then Rich, the month before. This, this happened the same day. Yeah, this was the same day as that. So, um, when we're talking about, like, a, a totally different kind of great match here. Right. Like, this one was more like, th- this thing comes down to uh, Sayakamatani and Utami, and then uh, Saki Kashima is in, is in the ring. And then it, it's almost like that moment of truth, like, because obviously a lot of those problems that uh, Sayakamatani and Utami have been having, and Momo jumps up there with the bat, like, like do it. Like, like make, make your decision. And um, there, there was not 20 minutes of action before this that where nothing happened. Right. There was there was none of that. Uh, there was uh, Saya, you know, blast uh, Momo with the bat um, and helps uh, Utami and basically shows her like, you know, I'm with you. I'm after Utami sacrifices herself and sends uh, Saya out. Of the the cage with the ladder, and it wasn't even uh, just her. Like throughout the match, like Lady C was like, "I'm gonna help Lady C get the hell out of here." Utami, like she yeah. was multiple people that Utami because like a lot of this was it wasn't just that they were at odds. It was that like Utami was feeling the pressure of she lost the red belt from um, you know to Shuri, and like she's been like put on ice right throughout the you know year and change. And then, like, at this point, like, after, right after, uh, the Yokohama Arena show, like, they start having malfunctions at the junctions, and, like, Kamatani's like, hey, you're the leader, pick it the fuck up. And, like, but she's saying it, obviously, way more politely than I am saying it, but, and, but, like, even nonetheless, like, Utami was like, how dare you even question, you know, me, right? And, like, Utami, like, she was... Leaning towards the dark side, leaning towards turning heel, not necessarily Oedo type, but leaning towards like turning and moving on. And like, as this all is happening, like she is literally like pulling her, her people out of the cage. Cause like the rule is the last person that's left in the cage is a person that has to be exiled from their faction. So like, she's like, Lady C, we ain't, we ain't doing do this Lady D shit or whatever else. We're not going to let you turn over and, you know, join cosmic angels or join God's eye. Get your ass out of here. Right. Kamatani, you get out of here too. Azumi, Azumi made her own way to get out of here because Azumi yeah, like, nah, like, I, I I'm gonna jump off this goddamn cage and then literally run up out the other side. Right, like, bro. like this shit was hilarious, bro. If Azumi ever gets out of, ever gets like exiled out of a uh, Queen's Quest, I think that might cut me deeper than anything that's ever happened <laughs> in this promotion. But yeah, man. Uh, so it gets down to that the closing stretch, and it's like, and then like it's Utami in there by herself, which is the real drama of it with with Saki who's hurting and, and land and on the mat versus uh, Nasco and Nasco and Tommy have been basically the mouthpieces for this whole entire, this iteration of the way Queens quest stuff. And, um, they had their little mini match and it looked like Tommy was going to get out of there. And then like they cut her off. I think they got some help from the outside, but Nasco then goes to the top rope and hits a swan top or off the top of the cage. And hits a swan top top of the cage and then gets up it's and climbs out of her out. career. Right, it's the coolest thing she's ever done. Like this tops her doing the dive off the uh, in that Utami match we talked about a second ago, where like she had the, the Utami rose in her mouth and did the dive through the table. It tops that, and she gets out of there. And like for me, once that happens, it's like oh, 
it's Utami versus Saki, uh, and the last person that's in his cage uh, gets exiled. I was like, well, good luck, good luck, Asaki. I was like, the only thing that we have now for drama is the storyline they had to play where, like, they were at odds. I think the Korokan Hall before, um, Momo handed Kamatani the bat and was like, you want to, you know, almost some sting shit, like, you want to make your turn now? You go, you got to make a decision. It was like, oh, that's coming. You know, obviously, I've watched a lot of the the weapon merchant, Triple H, his booking over the years. So I know that, like, that was symbolism of, oh, that's coming back into play at one point. So I was like, where's Momo? So Momo climbs up that cage from the outside as Kamatani is, uh, they're both on the outside climbing up as Utami's climbing up and like, she's looking and she's like, here, here's your chance to, you know, become the leader of, you know, of, of a uh, queen's quest after you question Utami's leadership and everything. And she had a choice and all she, she looked at it, contemplated and then she came down and bopped the shit out of that fucking She back. knocked <laughs> the shit out of her. Bro, Momo fell. Do you remember when Steve Blackman hit the Kindle stick on, on Shane and Shane just, just died yeah. in the air yeah. on the way falling? Yeah. That's how Momo fell, bro. I was fucking howling. And then when as Tommy climbs out after she's already, you know, she's she's roughed up uh Saki, who was already roughed up to begin with, she had no chance. The drama was whether or not Kamatani was gonna, you know, take the reins or, you know, wanna, you know, stay with her relationship with uh Utami. And they got out that ring, bro. I was on cloud 20. I was so happy because, like, bro, I'm sick and tired of Wade Otai fucking up everybody else's faction. So I was like, look, man, enough of this shit. I, I don't want I don't want Queen's Quest broken up. I didn't want Momo out of Queen's Quest. You look what's happened to her since then. Has that been a has that bit you know how they talk about like uh the presidency was like, you know, think of, look at your life in the last four years. Has it gotten better or worse under this uh, presidency? Has Momo Watanabe's life gotten better under this regime of Oedo Tai? No. We, I don't want anybody else going the over there ever. So, yeah, man, I was like, I was happy. Look, Saki Kashima escapes like escapes that life. Like All she's all she been doing is thriving. Still <laughs> thriving while Momo Watanabe is, still has to live that life in Oedo Tai. So, so yeah, so you know they celebrate. Queen's Quest celebrates and everything, and then they get in, and and then Tai gets in the ring, and they put the boost to socket to poor Sock, and I was like, okay, that was sad. That that it, was it sad was. too. It, it was. It, it, this was like a, this was like an after school special gang beatdown right here. Right, right. They 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 put in the boost tour, and and Queen's Quest gets in there and stops them, and uh, Nasco says something and walked off, storming off, pissed and kind of holding back tears because she's upset. Um. And then, like, Queens, and Azumi was like, I mean, you want to get down? You want to join? You want to, jo- you want to join, uh, Queens Quest? And I was like, oh, I don't like that. And then she, Saki rolled down and walked off. And my first thought was, oh, put her in there with, put her in Gaza with Shuri. Because, you know, they've been doing, for years now, they've been doing the whole Saki scared of her, her, yet can roll her up and beat her. And, like, now you have, you know, Shuri's a comedic genius as far as pro wrestling. Saki's funny as fuck. You could do the odd couple or geek or, you know, uh, killer in geek pen eater tag team thing. And you can, you know, inject some charm into or more charm into uh, God's eye after Shuri. So I was like, I would like to see that. That, That's actually what they did the next week. Uh, But I was happy to see that. Um, So uh, you have any other thoughts on that on that cage match? I thought it was great. I I, I saw I ended up uh, watching it like with no sleep. But like, so I was basically like on my twenty third hour awake. But I still gave it four and a half. I loved it. 
Um, yeah, I'm four and a half on it as well. And um, I thought that the post match promo was so like kind of potent, like with um, with with Saki or excuse me with Saya and Utami. It's like they're almost more unified than ever. Yep. And um, it, it feels like you know, you know, you would think like Utami's gonna like kind of like take a charge towards like trying to get back on top again and yeah um and it, it just was like if, if you're if you like queen's quest uh this was like a banner match at night for you because it was like hell yeah this is this is my unit like this is this is everybody in the main event coming out with the with the fly jackets i felt like this was like the embodiment of, of queen's quest like yeah. if, if you fuck with queen's quest like this is like a defining match yeah uh, of why <laughs> You're talking to a person that owns two Queen's Quest shirts. Yes. Yes. Exactly how I felt. I was so happy. Uh, so, you know, given the turmoil they were having, I thought that, like, I mean, this still be going on, uh, given what they did at uh, the pay-per-view uh, yesterday. But um, I going into all the turmoil, I thought that, like, this was leading towards a Grand Prix final for Kamatani versus Utami and whoever wins, you know, and, and you know, that was going to be the final. But... You know, that still could be at play, but who knows? But uh, I um, mm. thought that the way this match is laid out, because, you know, we were watching, you know, there's Hina and Rina in there and Amasaki and Lady C and Roaka. And you're just thinking, like, some of these people have just shown enough instincts to, like, be reliable in the ring in singles matches and in regular tags. They're in a cage now. And I was like, how are they going to be able to do this? How are they going to be able to get people out of here? And also, like, you know, given that this is a main event, they've been building this Kamatani and Utami uh, tension since uh, April, late April, or maybe early beginning of May. Like, how are they going to, like, have, like, what is a result that's going to be someone gets exiled that will feel, uh, genuinely earning of this right because a lot of people were saying like lady c gets out of there i'm like so you're doing a pay-per-view main event cage match and the person gonna kick out is like at best the fourth person in the faction that's not that's not that's not really appropriate yeah the story is there because of the donna del mondo teasing early in the year but like that's not that's not fully appropriate like that's not that's not that's underwhelming so when they threw out saki it was like well saki saki second longest tenure 080 time member she's the only one that's with the championship right now she is sometimes, you know, given they have like a four-headed snake of who's the top person, like sometimes she's one of the four or not. She is one of those four people. Like she can beat anybody. She can also lose anybody because of her thing. So it's like, okay, this is appropriate. Um, so I really, in, I really enjoyed like watching the construct, the fundamental construction of this match and also getting to like do Tommy commentary stuff. It was really well done and like crazy high spots left and right. Um, yeah. Like if you don't watch stardom, this is a match where you get into, like Rich said, like it, storytelling will in the match the moves in the matches will in the match will carry you but the storytelling will be like oh okay so yeah like it doesn't have to you know be half of the matches nothing to get to that you know to enjoy it like this is the match as i'm watching you know the summer or the money in the bank man where i'm just like what the fuck is this why can't it be both <clears throat> yeah um phenomenal match so yeah. Um, before that, watch a um, artist of stardom trios uh, cage match between uh, DDM and uh, Stars. 
And man, this one was fun too. Like this was this was a little bit different feel, a little bit uh, as far as like on the serious seriousness, a little bit less serious. Yeah. Um, and featuring what you know, like a showdown between Maya and Julia at the end, uh, or excuse me, Mayu and Julia at the end. Um, and I like this this match too. I, I thought Hazuki was was awesome. The short time she was in there. Uh, definitely love seeing Kaguma fly on the top of the cage. Uh, love the fits um, from from both teams. Uh, you know, the, the those jeans were, were hilarious seeing them. Uh, but yeah, this was a. Uh, I, I think uh, my Sakurai kind of has stepped up a little bit too, and I I didn't really think much of her she's, uh, when she she's, first came around. She holds up her end of the bargain really well in um in like these death matches with Julia. Like whether it's like facing prominence in a in a hardcore match or this, like she she really has taken to like this death match stuff or whatever else, like the plunder match, if you will. Um, but yeah, like I think it's funny that you know they they built this whole match up from the beginning where like FWC always convinces Mayu to get into these ladder matches or these cage matches, and Mayu don't want to do these cage matches, but she does it reluctantly because the fans say they want it and they cheer and she's like fine the fans want it i'll do it but then she makes these faces and she drags her feet to the ring and like in this particular situation like they have came up with the team name for for uh for those three like they're now stc stars triple crazy so like on twitter before the show the day like leading up to the show hours before the show Mayu was like, uh, I'm having trouble, you know, getting to the building. I don't know if I can make it. And Hazuki was like, don't worry, we'll, I'll come get you. Right. And then they show a video of like just outside the venue of Kaguma holding her, her, uh, her case, her travel case and Hazuki, uh, in tandem, both have, both have Mayu on her shoulders. They have, they have kidnapped this woman against her will and have forced her into this match, into the building, this sanctioned bout into the building. They walk her, they walk her ass from the, from the, uh, the, from the concrete into the building. And then when the match starts, uh, their entrance, they are carrying her ass into the ring. And then when the bell rings, the first thing Mayu does is try to, is try to climb her ass like a cage. <laughs> and, then, and then, uh, Dom Del Mano grabs her ass down and, uh, and, you know, it's a bunch of great wrestling, but like Hazuki ends up going nuts at one point, and then she goes to the top rope and hits a swanton or not a swanton, a senton off the top, off the uh, top of the cage onto Julie, and then Julie says that she broke her wrist, and I thought she had got me. I was like, oh no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like Kaguma does her her big you know bear uh, dive off of the top of the cage, get out, and the final two come down to Julia and Mayu, and they've always been great together. They had another great exchange and at the end. Um, Julia puts Mayu down. Mayu gets back up, last gas, and like Julia chokes her out, and then Julia escapes out the cage. And it was a mini match. It was it was really good match. Like I probably four, probably give it four flat. It was really fun. Um, obviously this came on first before the uh, main event we talked about, but like different, you know, different uh different type of uh vibe. It wasn't you know nearly as serious or heartfelt. This was like a more of a standard match, and like it was it was a fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, the white belt match on the 7-2 show yep. uh, with Mirai and Tam. Uh, Mirai finishes the story. Um, <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Run up the score on Cody. 
<laughs> we'll get to him in a minute, but um, yeah. Um, so it's taken a long while to ultimately get to this destination. Like there was, you know, uh, it, this was supposed to be Sai Kamatani dropping the belt to Mirai, presumably the yeah, way at, everything uh, played out. Yokohama Marina, yeah, that's what his plan was. Like given yeah. Melzer's reporting, like. It was supposed to be Mariah. She's supposed to win the Grand or the uh, Cinderella tournament, and then like a week later or two weeks later, it's gonna you know win it off Kamatani. Also, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a rematch of the match they had last year. That was awesome, and um, like they went with the Mina thing because the Mina thing um was hotter, and it was. But like they did it, and then like once they erase Mariah's big win, it's like we got to create another big win for Mariah, and like you get Hita Mariah. If you have her beat Mina. So who's going to take the heat? Tam said, give me the belt for a month. For a month, I'll take the heat. That's fine. That's fine. I get everybody else over. I may as well get her over too. That's all I do is get people over. So um, Tam uh, basically has, you know, she buried Mina in the, in the lead up. Buried her after the lead up. Moved to Mirai, started killing her, talking about how, like, look, you say you have soul. I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't respect it. Um, in your shit promo. Uh, and the whole exchange led to the week before the, the pay-per-view we just talked about, uh, after the, in the post-match, after Mirai and uh Ami lose their tag titles to Mina and Mariah, Tam comes out and says, Still ain't got no soul. And then Mariah snapped and hit her with a huge fucking lariat, laid her out, and was like, hey, I'm taking this title off you this week. Get to this match. And um, this is a great match. Um, i probably give it four and a quarter plus. I want to give it four and a half. I give it that, that one and that four and a third thing that we talk about all the time. But um, just, a, just a great structure. Tam, um, or they start at the beginning. And it's not like we're on a lockup. It's hit each other with gigantic blows to start, and then and it's, then it's, Tam- for me, it, it's not. It, it doesn't feel like often to me that Tam is actually hitting the person harder than the person's hitting them. Like I felt like Tam was hitting um, Mariah like way harder this time. She was cracking. Like Tam, Tam ratchets it up. Like so does Shuri. Um, Tam, Shuri normally ratchets up to where like, oh, it's pay per view. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking kill him if I have to. Um, mm-hmm. and on a house show, it's like I'll go easy unless it's like, oh, I mean, I'm going into, you know, some suplex fest in a tag match with like Utami or Tam or Mayu, that sort of thing to sell a match in the future. Um, Tam, it's a lot of that too. She normally uh builds towards having like personal one on one matches inside of tags or whatever else, but. For the most part, she won't just kill you with strikes unless it's time, unless it's a big match. And um, this was a big match, so therefore, you know, she didn't get the Julia treatment, but like she got the, you know, the gist of, hey, this is a motion, this is a belt of emotion, which is what Tam has uh, played on this this title to be. And like we're going to start like in the middle. We're not going to, you know, squ- you know, circle around the ring twice and then lock up. We're going to stare at each other for a second, come to the middle, and then trade big elk, loud, thudding, cracking elbows, um, and then we'll go from there. And then they end up on the mat after that, some good, like, rolling exchanges, which, you know, Tam is not really the person to really be doing that, but obviously Mariah is a judoka. Um, They end up outside on the floor. 
Um, they end up, you know, big suplex spots. Run uh, the the uh, bicycle knee. You end up getting um, a big suplex or urinage deal on the ramp from um uh no not not that actually uh Tam goes for her long running uh bicycle knee and then Rai <laughs> just takes her out the fucking air with a gigantic lariat. They end up back in the ring and um. Mirai slaps on that Miramari shock at, at, later in the match, and like this is also like the the Mirai was like when Tam or slapping on that that arm submission that Kimura deals like when Tam started taping up her 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 elbow uh, last year, right? She's been selling injury on and off like ever since. So like goes and she fights like crazy, gets dragged back to the middle, fights like crazy. Think you know teasing near fall, finally gets to the ropes, get back up. Tam fights back, ends up getting back the advantage, ends up going for uh and getting her um V or not violet or violet screwdriver, but because of you know how bad her arm is, she can't make the cover immediately. Mariah kicks out, and then um Mariah then like fights back from underneath and then like unleashes like a million different Larrys that just takes Tam's top off over and over and over, and then she finally gets her up and hits the the mirror Mari shot and gets the win. And um like I said, great match, and then like Tam at the end, she does the the eye thing, like fuck you, and then like you know grabs, touches, uh, puts the belt around, or helps put the belt around Mariah's waist, touches the belt, and then like puts her arms on her shoulder, like congratulations, you deserve all that stuff, and then take and then walks out, and then I don't know why they did this, but like Mariah didn't get a chance to promo after to celebrate or whatever else, but like she well, celebrated with it, and um, she, had to she was trash, like so. <laughs> You know, you, but you know, the thing is like, you can say that. And then like afterwards, like you can cut your little celebratory promo and, you know, get away from that. Nothing like, to say. She, she's said it all. Not, said she's it very all up actions. and down. The thing with Mariah is she's very up and down with her promos. She's very up and down um, with her promos, but it's not like she's actually awful. She's just up and down. Sometimes she's bad. Sometimes she's good. So we started talking about Mariah on this show when after she first showed up. Right. Um, last year. And I feel like a lot of this time we've been kind of telling people, hey, it's coming. Like, yep. Get get yourself prepared. The big push is happening. Big. This is why I just picked her anyway this year for the Cinderella. And I was like, you know, I thought it was kind of an untraditional pick. Like, she's really going to repeat. Yeah, I, I, I really thought so. And because I, I always knew that that big push was coming. And um we're here now, so yep. if you're you you have uh, reservations about Mariah, I would I would say allow her to kind of you know do her thing with this white belt and try to you know let her impress you or whatever because I think she's good, but more importantly, I I think the the office is really behind her and you know a, a big like uh, thing thing with Rossi that you know people have historically said is tries to get like a new person over either every year or every couple couple years yep. and she's clearly it, it, it for this year mm-hmm. and <laughs> get down or lay down <laughs> pretty right. much and, and another thing about it is like how many times is she gonna have great matches when she's in a red or white belt match for y'all shut the fuck up like there's a western contingent of fans that like are doing the thing that they do with anyone that they see is about to get a push and start them where it's like, well, the person I really like 
didn't get the belt or didn't get their chance to defend in semi-main events or main events on Corrigan Halls back then or now, pay-per-views now. So I don't want anybody else to, to jump in front of them in the in the pecking order. And it's like, well, if I understand you, I'm a Tam Nakano fan, I get it, right? However, sometimes you got to either A, wait your turn like Tam did for years, or, or you can appreciate that like this is a loaded roster. They could literally pick any of like a dozen people to do this. And sometimes you're sometimes someone's number will be called. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes you will end up like Tam. Sometimes you'll end up like Jungle Kiona and, K- and Konami. Sometimes you'll end up like Saya Kamatani. Sometimes you'll end up like Momo, where like it looks like you're going to you got you got one run and the next one's probably never coming. It happens. It is what it is. I, I think it's unfortunate, but like it means something for me over at this what, uh, 19, 20, 21, 22, 20, you know, f- now going to our fifth year watching stardom that like it meant something that certain people won belts and certain people didn't. And the same way that we talked about like with IWGP heavyweight title, where it's like it really sucks that Ishii, ne- Ishii never got it. Because Ishii's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. But I will be like, hey, like, Shuri got it. I never thought that was going to happen um, in her first year there. But she got it. And it was so fulfilling that she got there. It was so fulfilling to see Julia basically go on a three-year run to get there. It was so fulfilling seeing Tam go on a five-year run to get there. It really was. And, like... The, the journey and all that kind of stuff to see who actually makes it is fulfilling and, I, and some people aren't going to make it not everybody gets the title other promotions do do that and how do we feel about it when everybody gets it so yeah um, Mariah, Mariah got it and she has done nothing but have great white belt and red belt uh, challenges when she's had it so like all the stuff people have concerns about Quite frankly, they sound like the same concerns I had when Utami got the red belt. And then look how that worked out. Or the same concerns I had at times with like Kamatani when she got it. And then look how that worked out. Like, he ain't putting the belt on some schlub. He's putting the belt out on one of the best technical wrestlers in women's wrestling today. Yeah, like like the, the track record is... Uh quite great at the moment so like I don't, I don't there's not many shitters walking around um in my opinion at least you know somebody else could feel completely different about it but um i i think it's important as well as like to throw like a mariah in the mix um because obviously you know we've all we've all talked about like the long-term stories of like starlight kid and azumi and right. then like kamatani and uh utami kind of being there there's tam and julia that's like there and mariah's is almost like this kind of person that doesn't belong to any of those like different like uh kind of connections mm-hmm. like shuri's like you know emeritus at this point um uh shit like that but mariah somebody that can go in there with any of the those those levels i would say like right. she's she's gonna be someone in the future for starlight kid to prove herself against or and they have uh, smoke because they were both chasing a white belt last year yeah and, it, and um, it manifested during the during the grand prix when they had their match and i promise you we will get the kamatani and mariah match again like and they're gonna be like people that are gonna be facing off with each other and like yep. Yeah, I, I just I just think she's uh, 
you know, I, I think she's important and I think people should embrace her rather right. than kind of do the opposite. Right. So, Rich, you um you saw the Cork and Hall generational struggle match last month, right? Yes. Okay. So I think you cut it off where you saw the, the post match stuff. Yeah. On the ninth, so next weekend, Corgan Hall again, generational struggle elimination match with Utami replacing Marai. That was that was put in um right after that Corgan Hall match last month. And now in retrospect, we were like, oh, so like Utami knew that and starting knew that she was going to GCW a month ago, at least. So it's time to talk about that, right? I'm sure yeah. that be, I'm sure that's gonna be a cliff. I'm, I'm sure you're gonna oh, be a cliff. Man. So Utami Hayashishta uh on the pay-per-view after Kamatani wins their uh tag match versus stars grabs the mic and says, um, I've been having some struggles with leadership and with, you know, being my old self and I kind of need to find myself or find a new version of myself. So I'm going to take my time away from Queen's Quest, but I need the rest of y'all to, um, you know, basically take over for me while I'm gone. And it leaves a lot of confusion and she walks away and walks out, walks out up the ramp and basically the rest of the unit follows. Uh, and it was kind of a head scratching thing, given that the pay per view that they had before was, you know, Queen's Quest reunited and stronger, kind of you know re- the reconnection of um, Aphrodite. So we get news today <laughs> that while Tommy will be away, she will be in GCW running three dates in July. Uh, and um, I was when you sent that to me, my jaw didn't hit the ground. But like my in my mind it did. Uh, yeah, man, that that was a strange one. That was a real strange one. What are your thoughts on this, Rich? Um, well, they announced one match for uh, I think is Billy Starks. She's gonna be fighting in one okay. of them. Haven't seen the rest yet, but um, I got kind of a sick laugh out of it. I was um looking at. It, I was like, man, there were a lot of people so concerned that she would just show up on national television, but now. We'll be watching Game Changer Wrestling to <laughs> to see what Utami has to do there. Um, you know, I I couldn't imagine be, being upset. You know, at the prospect, not a booking, not this is just something people say. Hey, you know, can can some stardom people? You know, maybe maybe can they participate in AEW? Like I don't, you know, we talked about the adversarial relationship between some AEW fans, some stardom fans over this whole who requested to talk to who the uh, thing that's that's going yeah, on I, yeah. I i don't know who talked to who or or right. tried to talk to who when not not privy to it but for her not to go to be in america and it's for gcw look there are people who have, have like talked themselves into GCW has been the promotion that's doing the work with the women. GCW is the um, promotion that's going to showcase them. Correct? They may, right? You know, uh-huh. but, and they have women are over there, like like obviously Ito and in uh, Rena Yamashita. Yeah, but let's keep it a stack. How many of y'all watching GCW? Yeah. How many of y'all like watching GCW? That's even more important. 
How many of y'all want to give Brett Lauderdale y'all money? Yeah. Yeah. How many of y'all want to roll in the in the in the in the hay with that sleazy indie? Yeah. I don't know. You know, um wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world if she was on I don't know, ROH or like AEW <laughs> yeah. Dynamite. I, I don't see the uh you know the the bad thing here, you know. Uh if if it was a case of worrying about talent being raided and stolen, might I remind you who GCW feels like they're tied to. Yeah. I, I just I just thought it was all kind of funny. Um I I just think about Utami coming to America and seeing like the cause like we know how Utami is. She's not like the most expressive kind of performer right. or anything. So right. it's not it doesn't line up in what you think, right? But maybe she's here to like kind of unlock something. Like um Could be. And I, I, I saw you make a tweet that I thought was pretty funny. What was the tweet? I don't remember what I said. I tweet random about, shit. Yeah, yeah, you talking about like when um you know Okada like oh, when he yeah. came to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh, I, when Okada was like a young boy on excursion, like I forgot. I think it was Shikara. Well, it doesn't I think matter. So. I think he, it was Shikara. Okay. Yeah, like he was at Shikara or some indie, and like somebody had lied to him and told and told them that like the people in the town were like were really big in the in the giant Baba. So like <laughs> you, so like you see clips of him like doing the Baba head chops and shit. Like he's Lady C, and it's like, what the hell are you doing, bro? And I was like, I, I like. I, Look, I ain't gonna lie. Like, if somebody, like, I want someone to lie to Tommy and say that, hey, like, you know, in the Northeast up here in, in Connecticut, right here, yeah, big Kamiko McHoward fans, right? And she just start, then she start unleashing the big pumping kicks and the big boost and the mafia kicks and all that. Like, I just, at random, be like, I ain't never seen who Tommy head kick nobody in my life. And she just start bringing this shit out, right? <laughs> or you'd be like, oh, you know, no, you know what? They huge uh, Keru Ito fans. She start double diving, double foot stomping on people. That's, yeah, I want all types of out of the character shit. And be like, who lied to her and said that they were fans of this AJW shit or this Gaia shit? That's what I want to see. That's what I want. <sighs> I want that same guy to be handed down. So, so she's got the Billy Starks match. Uh, some people think Billy Starks is really good. I think she's pretty young, and it's kind of too early to call her good or bad. Yeah. Um, I think she's a, more of a prospect at this stage. But there are also some people that think, you know, presumably, you know, she'll be here for death for dishonor, uh, death before dishonor, and you know, people are throwing out an Athena Utami uh match on the table uh, you know people were talking about they'd like to see something like that maybe that's what's going on here but mm-hmm. i don't know i i think that would be fun but um what's the date on that july 20 something i think the uh, grand prix starts a week earlier than it has the last two years it starts on the 23rd so i don't i don't know how that's gonna work or if that can I, work no i did i'm not aware of the date um, it, it could be earlier. Uh, maybe okay. the chat can help us out, but, okay. um, yeah, like, so this, this kind of follows like, you know, like Julia kind of doing the whole thing with New Japan strong, Will Nightingale, right. uh, which is coming up tomorrow. Um, or after, after you guys hear this, it'll, it will be tomorrow. Cause it's going to be on that 4th of July show at Cork and hall, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, Utami here is like, are they slowly like 
trying to like throw different tentacles out there. I'm not sure what this is. Like, um, the, the thing about all of this stuff is that they're clearly being told no because they've always wanted to do international stuff. Right? Like, Mina and Waka did not learn English, and same for Momo- Momokogo, did not learn English to not come over here and wrestle. All of them have. Uh, Waka and Mina did the uh, Rumble on 44th Street last year. Kogo came over here for the uh, the inaugural tournament for the Strong Women's title. Um, you know, Tam was going to come with Mayu back to Ring of Honor uh, in early 2020, but the pandemic thing happened. That fell through. Uh, but they did go. They did come to California for two shows uh, for some Bushi Road thing or whatever. Because it's right after the purchase of Stardom mm-hmm. from Bushi Road. Um, yeah, like Shuri, she wants to wrestle w- around the world too. And obviously, you know, she's getting calls. But hey, we saw this fucking these, this series you had. Would Tommy want you to do this or whatever else? Like, can you come over here and give someone brain damage, please? But. <laughs> Can you have some leaks? And, and think about it. And think about people like in in New Japan, you know, Bushi Road being the same like company or whatever. Right. Like how Suzuki became a name in the UK. Like right. Ishii became like a name in America. Like right. I think this was this would be nothing but beneficial to Stardom because right. like as long as you're taking care of these people to where they feel like that's their home and they don't feel like they want to get somewhere else and be like you know they 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 money is money and over here like right. you know. I think this is every, what's happening think, in Toshio Joshi Pro. It's not happening in starting though, at least not yet. Right. Like, so, like, if it's a case, like, just make sure these people are paid and then, like, kind of send them out. I, I think it would be beneficial, like, to get more people kind of aware. I know people like to say, uh, what, what's the people always like to look for, like, specifics on how that's going to lead to more business. I don't have specifics for you. Right. But I can talk about, like, what the Tomohiro Ishii and Keith Lee match did kind right. of for Ishii in like Rev Pro and Shibata uh, and Rev Pro. Yeah. yeah uh, us like being able to kind of see them in other environments other than their own and see how they adapt and just kind of like a cool, it's a cool thing to do in their career. Like it's nice that they all wrestle each other, but it's like, yo, yeah. let them stretch their legs a little bit or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you want to ask what it, what it does for them is like, hey, it keeps your workers happy. They want to wrestle internationally. They do. They've all said, or most of them have all said like, you know, unsolicited in, in most of these cases, they want to continue or they want, or, or they want to wrestle overseas for the first time. And like, when there's been like this seeming and seeming, uh, embargo ever since the pandemic, it clearly means they've been told no up until now. And now, you know, I don't know if it's the Mercedes coming in and be able to change some of this or whatever else, but, um, yeah, they've wanted to come. They've, they've been basically stuck together or stuck, you know, um, in the promotion doing their thing, but doing their, doing only that. And they kind of want to stretch their legs out and see what's out there. Not necessarily to, to leave or if they want to leave, that's, that's their prerogative, you know, whatever. But they want to wrestle overseas. Like Azumi is taught. Like uh, so, last year going into uh, the Sumo Hall show that I ended up going to, uh, Hikari Shimizu uh, was in was in that CMLL tournament that they have every year with Joshi's and, and people from all around the world. And she came back and she challenged Azumi for the uh, for the high sweet title. And she mentioned it during the press conference. Like I just came back from from Mexico, and you know, Eo, you know, um, Azumi is a little mini Eo. Eo's wrestled in Mexico before. 
And she once she said that, you see, you just saw the joint her face like she's like, I wanna wrestle, I wanna wrestle in Mexico too. Fuck. So yeah, mm-hmm. like these people wanna go go all around and do all this kind of stuff. So um it does it does you no good to not let one of them out to do X, Y, or Z this time here or there, or whatever else. Like they know I'm pretty sure they know they know what the Joshi landscape looks at. That's why a lot of them left from their situation to get to start to begin with. Like and I'm sure they know that like they a lot of them don't have spots for them elsewhere like that, right? Like they all talk. Like you don't you don't, <laughs> like you don't think that a, you don't think that like Shuri is talking to Sheeta, right? Like you know hey, what like what, what's it look like over there, or right? Whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And same thing with like oh Kyrie, what how was your situation in EO? How was your situation in WWE when you were there? How is it in WWE right now? I know I, you know it might sound real good for for when people talk EO right now because she just won money in the bank. Right, but you ain't gonna you ain't as guaranteed you're gonna be ill. Like, and, and you talked about it a second ago when it came to Tommy and like you don't like at first glance she doesn't seem like somebody that immediately gets over on first viewing to an American fan base to me. Right, she's you know it's her character. She's not actually like this in real life, but like in front of cameras, she's a stoic, hard to get to, you know, cool person. Um, she's a goof, she's a bit of a goofball backstage according to Queen's Quest, but we don't, that's not for us to see, right? Um, so like, yeah, I wonder how that's going to work, you know, obviously as a rep, but like, it's GCW, that rep don't really hold in that same way, like if she was in AEW, you can, you know, shine her up and be like, here's, you know, she did this with Sherry, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, it, it, you know, and I also thought about like, well, you know, GCW, they love doing that hardcore garbage shit in like... Tommy's had two matches where, like, she has bled, whereas, like, I don't know if these, I'm not exactly sure these were hard ways or not, but she bled. Like, the match we just talked about um, in the the cage cage match. Like, I was, someone told me that was a hard way, but I have a hard time imagining that someone uh, gets up bleeding immediately after a swanton off of the, uh, after catching a swanton off the top of the cage, and there's no swelling anywhere on her head. So, yeah, I, I think that was a blade. But, you know, maybe it's just me. But we'll see. But, like, you had that match and going back to her white belt match versus Arissa um, at the anniversary show in 2020. Um, Arissa Hoshiki. It's like, she somehow comes up with this for two with his blood in these matches. And I can't really, and much like Bret Hart, I don't know if you can really tell her spot to blade, but I don't see no swelling that will indicate that she got busted over hard way. So, yeah, um... She might be a blood person. We just don't. We you only think about it because Stardom has a no blood mandate. That Utami only the only person that is able to slip by those apparently. So we'll we'll see. But um, you know if they go out, cool. Like my whole thing with AEW, will they will not they not with uh, Stardom is like I don't care. Um, it's been a lot of talk and a lot of nothing. So I'm trying to just like it's a kind of a waste for me to even think about that energy. But like. They go elsewhere. Sure, why not? I mean, Tokyo Pro people are going everywhere. Like, on the Dragon Gate people were going everywhere uh, last year. Um, so, yeah. The Noah people, like, Marifuji, uh was in New York on House of Glory uh, earlier this year. Like, it's a lot. There is a demand to see these people yeah. going on DPW, right now. They, they've, like, we talked about when they, they were first doing that. We were like, what are they doing? And I think over time, it's kind of become more clear. It's like, they are creating an attraction or whatever, and yep. then like a pipeline essentially right. to like bring people in or whatever, like, and then have opponents like kind of familiar. Like, when somebody 
Like they have Sakura now who's established there for them. And now they can bring in like more people to come wrestle Sakura, who's like their person, kind of. Right. So yeah, that's basically what they're doing. Uh, was it a uh, deadlock? Right. Yeah. And then also like you know, not, maybe even outside of the Sakura verse, there's also like we we all seemingly feel like Sumi Sakai is a plug for like everybody, like Jungle yes. Fiona coming over here on her run, right? Um, and a few other people too. Um, so yeah, like there's a lot of stuff. You know, you see like the stuff, like the Spark Joshi stuff happening, and then the uh, Eric from Joshi Pod running his uh, his promotion as well. Like, yeah, it seems like, like you said, there's a bunch of attractions and everything, and like people come over here, get fl- get get flued out, get get lodging, what? and sell a m- bunch of merch more than they probably would on a random day, a random weekend somewhere. I imagine it being lucrative for them. As long as they get fucking paid and I get screwed over, that's all I'm concerned about. Right. As long as they get, as long as they get what they were promised, I'm perfectly fine. Like, um, Oscar Vinius came over, uh, came over a few times. Yeah. Um, Yamasha comes over at GCW and has her bloody shit and like, she's over every time she shows up from what I see. So, and Makita's over like a god. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and then take us uh, to the main event because I, I I didn't catch this one. It was a strap match. Okay, so we talked about this when Ano um, signed or basically declared that she wanted to be in Cossack Angels with uh, Tam and Nasapoy. That like you saw the facial expressions and you were like, oh, she's it's just a it's just a any any day now she's ready to turn or or this clearly is not just going to be like just smooth sailing from at at the least right. So, um. They start having matches and they were winning, and then there was a stretch where they started losing matches. And um, in at Res Girls, Nasapoy and Ano, even though they look like their fucking sisters, they were at uh, they were rivals. So uh, they started, you know, losing matches that they probably shouldn't. Uh, you know, they won the uh, the trios mat the trios belts at, y- at Yokohama Arena, and then they lost in their first defense. Um, to DDM, and then they lost another match, and then like Ano got pinned both times. So Ano basically like snaps and uh, tries to attack Natsupoy. Natsupoy is able to evade it and throw a strike, and it basically goes to a, a standoff. And um, Ano says, "You know what? I still have all resolved feeling, feelings from you know our years as rivals in different motion." I want to have a, I want to have a match. I want to like let, I want to get my, all my, the last of my emotions out on you. And that's what was like, if that's what you want to do, fine. Cause I still, still feel the same way. So they decide on having a strap match. <sighs> the problem with this match is that. I heard a lot match, of people said this shit sucked. It is, it is not a great match. It is probably like a three-star match for a starter main event, which Sounds like a fucking abysmal thing, right? The problem, the problem with this match is, um, one, they went, they did, it did a very similar in, in, um, in story or, or build to like the cage match he had with Tam. Whereas, like, okay, you got to get a pinfall before you can hit all four corner posts. And then if you get, uh, and then if someone stops you, you got to start all over again and get another pinfall, right? Uh, so, so, like, I picked that up and I was like, oh, so this is basically like, it's a, like a, a cage- Texas old school Texas death match, right? Like, this is like with old like school Texas match. death match slash like the cage match you just had with Tam, except a year later and not and obviously not nearly as good, but 
Um, so they're having a match, and they're attached, but like they don't strap each other until. God damn it! They do not use the stra- the, the the leather strap on each other until like the halfway point of the match, where like they've already both have like gotten to the point to where like they've both gotten to a pinfall and have both touched two of the posts and they're not going for a third and get cut off. And then that's when they finally use the strap. And it's like, well, like, Hey man, like these are two very pale skinned women. Uh, and I thought the, a bit of the draw was that like, they're going to beat the shit out of each other with a strap. And ultimately they have basically in a, con- a connected match a connected you know at the arm match that's not really that all that violent is more or less as a regular match you're kind of like huh okay this isn't and obviously like they have to get this you know near falls or near or tease near falls get near falls go to the ropes or whatever else and drag each other along and then eventually get cut off to build towards you know they finally get to you know they both get to a pinfall and get to a third post and they're both going for fourth and that's like the, the part but like basically they end up outside the ring and, like, once you get outside the ring, it's like, the whole crowd just kind of like, well, no one can complete objective right now because they're out the ring. No one can get a pinfall. So, they get back in the ring and then it picked up. But, like, like I said, like, they didn't start strapping each other until late. And then, like, there was a run where, like, it picked up because they started just basically just suplexing the shit out of each other uh, over and over and over again. But that was basically the best part of the match. But, like... We're talking about like this match didn't get cooking until like the last third of it, where the first two thirds you kind of like, oh, it's there, but you can kind of like you know not pay attention to it because and the crowd's not into it either, because uh, like you know I think part of it is the build because like one Sayori's not actually over yet because like they don't know where the vagueness of her character and her intentions with Cosmic Angels are leaves you know to be desired. This is a part mm-hmm. of like now getting her over after this, but like now that you know where she where she uh, actually gets in and fits in, but it's like this didn't work, and like you know it's stardom. They they almost when's the last time they had a bad pay per view main event or a not great pay per view main event? When was the last time that happened? Yeah, it's hard. Oh, to would it be like? Off. Oh, it would be. Oh, I know what it is. It's when Nasco blur knee out. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So it takes someone blowing their knee out for Stardom not to have a great pay-per-view main event. You know what I'm saying? So people were like very disappointed with it. And the disappointment is definitely, I feel like the most disappointing Stardom match of the year. But people are taking overboard saying it's the worst Stardom match of the year because, you know, you know what some of these undercards are like, Rich. <laughs> so um, some of these undercard matches can look like. So like, you know, uh, so yeah, like it was, it was a dis- very disappointing uh, they, they were, it was one of those matches where like, they're working really hard. They're really, you know, slamming. They're really, it's a physical match, but it's just the crowd, they crowded into it. And they just like, dude, well, you, you got to break your teeth and get through it. And they got through it at the end. And at the end, um, Otto wins. And, um, she's, she basically says like, Hey, like, are we just, are we just two fools? Are we just two fools fighting? And like can't make peace with each other because of old stuff. And um, she was like, "Look, I'm sorry. I just felt like I need to do this with you because you're my rival. But like, I'm on the I'm, I'm on the right page now that I got this out of my system." And that's was like, "Okay, that's cool." And you know, keep on like the whole story is like, or part of the story is like she came back, she came into stardom, and she has always she has consistently called 
Nasapoi Natsumi, her first start, her first wrestling name, Natsumi Maki, kept calling her Natsumi. Um, and Poi would immediately correct and be like, it's Natspoi, it's Natspoi. So like this time around, she finally calls her Natspoi and, and Natspoi is like, what's that? You called me Natspoi? And then, you know, she does the whole cute thing, adorable thing. And, and then like, she's like, and then Anno's like, Tam, come here. And then, um, Tam gets in the ring and she apologized to Tam and was like, you know, I've been selfish since I, since I you know, d- decided to join Cosmic Angels um, and I apologize. And then Tam was like, well, do you want to be in Cosmic Angels? And then, um, Ano says, like, I think that Cosmic Angels is, will shine, but I think it'll shine better, even more with me in it. They all basically agree to, you know, squash whatever, you know, last of whatever, you know, robbery they've had in, in joint forces. So it's basically like the three of them plus, uh, Yuna Mizumori, um, they're the new, that's basically a new rollout. Like that's, that's the lineup now. It's, it's Tam, Poi, Ano, and Mizumori, and they all, you know, smile and go out to the back and everything. Um, like push the story, push the story forward. Well, all that kind of stuff. I, I like the story. Just the match did not work. And also you just know you or not. You just know, you absolutely know that like, if they had just a regular fucking match, it would have blow, it would have blown the roof. I would have been some four and a quarter, four and a half star thing. But instead they did this It's very similar to like that, that white belt match between, Tam and Mina from November of 2021, where he's like, "What the fuck are y'all doing?" On y'all, y'all could have rolled out of bed, had a regular match, called it on, the, called it in the ring, and had a better match than what y'all did with the story you're telling. So it's one of those where it's like you're disappointed because you know they had a better match in them if it was a regular match, as opposed to doing a step or doing some goofy story. Yeah, but overall, both shows, uh, both very good shows. Um, that main event was a dud or not an actual dud. Like it's not a zero star match, but I mean, like it was, a, it, <laughs> it, it, it didn't live up to the, to the expectation you have for them. But like the other main event and some main event stuff all, all rocked. Um, so, you know, we talked about those four matches and that's pretty much catch you up. Um, we haven't talked about Grand Prix, but like the lineups are out. Um, and, um, mm. man, uh, isn't it like really clear which one's the A block and which one's the B block? Uh, I well, I feel like what they did was they put the two weakest wrestlers in one block, and then the, the next eight are always like, oh, that eight is incredibly deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I feel like that's what they did with the blue block this year because like it's it's Tam, Mayu, Shuri, Kamatani, Hazuki, and I think Mirai. That's a, in Nasapoy and Kid in Suzu. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a fucking killer lineup. Uh, the other, but the, you know, Kimala, like, the other one is also raw because, like, it's like, you know, Utami and Julia and Micah and, um, uh, trying to think who else is in there. Azumi. Yeah, like, it's, it's just, uh, this is, I mean, it's a 20, it's 20, people 10 block or two blocks of 10 and like there are seven high quality wrestlers in both blocks so like you know i really feel like this this could be the best grand prix ever um because there there is no you know there's no my sakurai there is no momo kogo there is no 
um, Rowaka. There is no Sakashima comedy funny mash. There is no, you know, Kaguma funny mash. There is no all cap Saki. Like, it's all killer and very little uh, filler. And even like the people that I'm, you know, have my guards about, like Natsuko, is like, is she really going to do what she did two years ago when she gets, when she gets like, basically rustles in a way to be like, hey, man, you might need to just leave this promotion or leave the business. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, since she's came back, she's been on a lot better behavior than that that era of NASCAR tour. So, yeah, um, it's going to be loaded. Well, I mean, obviously, it comes up in a couple weeks. We'll preview it. But, like, I'm really excited this year. Um, really excited. The main event for night one is um, is Kamatani and Tam. Yeah, but there's also like it's a it's like eight deep of matches that could be like that can get four stars. Night one, so yeah, we'll be we'll be covering night one of that because those night ones of Grand Prix the last two years have fucking rocked. Thanks, <laughs> Logan. All. Um. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlay. Live bets and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Well, yeah, man. Let's um, let's move over to WWE Money in the Bank uh, 2023. Yeah, let's um, do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, okay. what are your thoughts on the show in general? Okay, I thought the show was mid. Um, huh. Okay, I I think this has been a rather strong year for for WWE on pay per view, uh, and I thought this was towards the lower end of of all the shows. I was like, this was not better than Backlash. I don't think either night of WrestleMania, Elimination Chamber, Royal Rumble. Like, I think this may be like, this wasn't a bad show or anything. I just thought it was mid. Um, I thought that the middle portion, there was like a three match, like kind of shuffle. And it was just like, oh, and then the, uh, the world title match with Seth Rollins and Balor didn't really impress me at all. Um, seeing Gunther and Matt Riddle and only giving them less than eight minutes. And then, uh, it, Riddle getting just discarded like a nothing person tapping out. I'm like, okay, didn't expect that. Um, I thought they they'd let him get in there a little bit, but uh, it, in some ways, it kind of felt like a big budget house show that they did on like international waters or whatever. So like, they were just so happy happy to be over there. Like the fans happy to see them. Anything could could ride essentially, but um, I thought. Overall, it was like it wasn't the worst show or anything, but it was just you know just in the mid middle for me. Okay, um, I didn't think this was a great show. I thought it was a good show, and I probably would have thought high, more higher, more higher. I would have thought more highly of this show if I didn't think the main event 
was a snooze fest for two thirds of it. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I almost fell asleep thinking about that match. James. I think that I dislike this rom- this Roman main event more than any of the other Roman main events in this run. Brother, I think it's my least favorite. Um, I I did not rewatch this match to make this claim or anything, right? But the match time on this is thirty two oh five. I swear to God, I don't think anything happened before minute twenty seven. Um, and when I'm just watching the main event, I'm like, why is nothing happening? Why are they just looking at each other? Why are they just laying on the mat? Why are they just not engaging? Where's the wrestling? Where's the fighting? Where's like the intensity? Where's like any of this stuff? And you know, I I'm sorry. There's only so many so many times I can see uh, Solzuko like turn to his side and look and think that's like something to actually like, you know, that's some notable thing. I'm I'm like I don't care. Um, and. I think it just weakened the overall like match for me. Uh, I know people got really happy about like the, those remaining five minutes, but for me, it was just more the same with uh, the never-ending ref bumps and the, and the Roman Reigns main events, visual pinfalls, and um, just seeing like uh, I, I think people were so caught up in Jay pinning Roman Reigns, which presumably is going to set up a SummerSlam match for him to get his shit pushed back. Um, <laughs> right. But people like, I I think this is a litmus test. If you're in the WWE, I think you like this. If you're, you watch almost anything else, you're like, where's the wrestling? What, like, what's the, you know, like, like what's happening here? Um, I originally, like, when I watched it, I was like, I'm giving this two and a half stars and saying, fuck them, uh, for insulting me like this. But, um, I decided I'll be nice and just go with the gentleman's three on that. But it was just like, it was so slow. Beyond slow. Purposefully slow. Um, bordering on lazy. And it was just like, this is the definition of storytelling. I'm sorry. Storytelling is what Utami inside Kamatani did in that cage match. This is just like niggas moving slowly and looking at each other. And I don't, I, I think it's just a disconnect on like w- what um, is pushed as storytelling and then what is not pushed as storytelling. And I think it is not all that fun. And I'll give them this. The crowd absolutely bought it, you know, and the crowd's been buying it. And um, I think they have actually unlocked something, unfortunately, because I think and and this is what this company is set to become because, like, the traces of this are already trickling to NXT. So, like, it's almost like if you want to get to the main event now in one of these shows... And be working with the Usos or Roman Reigns, and you're gonna have to go all take all the speed down, turn it down, brother. We're doing less tonight. Um, I, I know Kevin Nash must have loved this match. Um, it was just it was just so much not happening. I was like, I I, I was befuddled because it was almost like 
all right, if you thought we never did shit before, wait till y'all get a hold of this one. We really ain't going to do shit in this match. Okay, so I guess we're going to start with this because you, you have went on to the rant and this is where like, the clip comes. So I'm, I'm just going to follow back. I'm just going to follow you. Um, yeah. Follow your lead. I'm going to be the side commentator to your Utami. <laughs> and, um, you know, oftentimes you may get spoiled on something and you hear, you know, the, the talk about whatever criticism or positivity about something and you watch it for yourself and you're like, Oh, it was a bit of hyperbole, right? Like, I you had you had alerted me that like they did nothing in this match to start, and I was like, that don't surprise me. It's par for the course, right? James, not only did they do nothing, they did less than nothing, right? <laughs> so, but you know, I'm already going into an impressive play, watching it today, knowing that they're not going to do anything. So I'm expecting to be like, well, it wasn't that bad. I'm watching this. You somehow undersold that they did less than nothing. <laughs> At a certain point, I'm watching, and you know, I, you know, when I watch stuff that already been spoiled, like I kind of like live, you know, uh, live message you or, or, or group or whatever else my my thoughts on it. And um, there's a certain point in this match. It might have, you know, what it was after in the middle of the fucking tag match. When Solo Sokoa has slapped on a nerve hold, and I was like, all right, a fucking enough. They've done yeah. nothing in this fucking match. Get on with yeah. it. We'll pick it the fuck up. Um, I'm not going to... I'm not going to downplay their storytelling and their callbacks to the pri- prior main event matches in the last three years in Roman Reigns' title defenses. I'm not going to do that. That's absolutely storytelling... Um, my disconnect is that just because you are telling a story does not mean it's actually compelling. Like, right. Like just because I put, uh, just because I put, I cook something does not necessarily mean that it's going to taste good if I don't put the right seasoning or prepare the food in the right way. Correct. Right. Right. And, they it, it it was like okay we got the the low blow kick out we got <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to think of all the stuff they they did uh, the callbacks uh, they got the Samoan about spike a story they, haven't they, they seen this story before because I feel ref, like I have <laughs> right, right they got the ref bump they got all that stuff and I'm watching I'm just like this because the action is so slow. And it's in like this is supposed to be an action movie, not a soap opera during the match, at least like you got to give me the fun stuff in between those beats or intertwined with those beats to keep me compelled because we watch high level. We watch high level pro wrestling storytelling all around the world. We also watch high action stuff all around the world, too. The, The best wrestling is typically tends to be like the marriage of both. Right. Um, if you are giving me one and not the other, I'm only, I'm going to feel, you know, lukewarm about it. They did that stuff, but it was so, so, and so boring. It was like, this, this is not like, what is, I'm watching an action movie that has bad action. I was checked out for like the, the whole first part 
checked me out of the match so far that I didn't give a fuck by the time they got to the end part. So it was like, so the first like, half where's happened. the connective tissue? Right, that's all I was saying. Like connective tissue t- between all of these storyline beats that, and callbacks are so bad, are so un, uh, like are so like poor, boring, lethargic. That I was like, I, I, I flaccid. That I, <laughs> that I was in- impotent. That I didn't care. Uh, I'm just acknowledging the stuff is happening. Like, oh, they did that. That's a callback to this match. Oh, they did that. That's a callback to this match. Oh, they did the stack and pin near fall thing. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I, I don't. I, but, but, but what? So what? I, I don't care. Um, so it, and this is the, in, we've had Roman matches like the first half of, uh, last year. No, two years ago. First half of 2021, where he's wrestling Daniel Bryan, he's wrestling Cesaro, and like those matches, action wise, with all the stuff he's doing, those are legitimately great matches. We've seen the Us- and I mean, we've had different runs of Roman Reigns wrestling, you know, people like Seth Rollins or wrestling people like AJ Styles or, Ke- or earlier iterations of the Kevin Owens stuff that were great matches. We've seen the Usos have one of the better tag team uh, robberies ever with the New Day, right? We've seen them have great matches, three of those four. The part where, like, they're in their, they're still in their 30s, still in their late, late to mid 30s, and they're having matches this slow, and this is also, like, coming off the heels of that WrestleMania night one main event with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, where Kevin, or Sami Zayn is cooked, and they all they and they're just they're just super kick merchants, right? And I'm just like, yo, what has happened to the Usos? The Usos used to be able to tell great stories in the ring and, and also had fun, entertaining action. They're cooked. And Roman Reigns has had a number of great matches. He seems cooked. And Solo Sokoa seems like a guy that like would not be employed if his last name wasn't wasn't fucking whatever uh, a fat too. <laughs> Right, and I, I'm just like, yo, this. Um, he's with them. He's a, he's a he's with them all star at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I I was just like, I was really unimpressed by this match. Like this match, like Jay White in a main event title match thought this lacked urgency. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, it, it was it was. Mm-mm. Nah, man. Jake Lee thought this. <laughs> they got it. They, they got. I've been saving it. They got to go to hell, man. They, they <laughs> got to go to hell. Jake Lee thought this match lacked urgency. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yo, this was this was this was like, yo, you are you are like, I understand, like, you know, you, you build the long winding road before you give them all that kind of stuff because you're basically wrestling like it's the fucking eighties instead of two thousand twenty three. But like, there was a time when WWE on the main roster seem to have caught or not caught up, but like closed the gap on like the outside wrestling world, even with their slow pace that they still have had closed the gap on like, what is the best in the world and like what they're doing to be able to match that in the ring. As far as in ring action, it was always going to be slower, more methodical, always going to be, but they had, they were able to close the gap on the, the, the cool moves, actually hit each other hard instead of like pillow fighting. And it was starting in 2016 when AJ showed up. Right. 
And then, you know, some of that was also carried up through the NXT system where guys are basically not told to wrestle or tone it down and they showed up and they still were able to, you know, light people up, right? Like people like Gunther, Gunther, for example, McIntyre. And I'm, I'm watching AEW, I'm watching Stardom, I'm watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm just like, I don't, nece- I'm not necessarily sure that like, the the wrestling has sprawled forward in the way that it did like over the over the 2010s as far as like the progress or of the best in the world stuff compared to a, a decade before but like compared to like over the last five years of pro wrestling but i watched stardom and then in or aw and then i watched this month to month and i'm just like i feel like this gap has gotten as as has has opened up again and I don't know what's going to, at least in the main events, and I don't know what is going to have to change to for them to catch up because like WWE is normally always, as far as in-ring stuff, 20 years behind. But I'm watching this Usos match. I'm like, bro, this is some, this is some fucking like, f- this is some fucking uh, state fairgrounds uh, Ric Flair shit. And I don't mean I, the good I, Ric Flair shit neither. I honestly think they're trying to, uh, they're purposely trying to zag here. Like they're like, uh, you know how um they say Rick Rubin like you know how I like to joke yeah you know Rick Rubin really don't do shit like on these songs or whatever mm-hmm. like he they're taking shit out the beats or whatever to and it is real minimal like that's it, it feels like a conscious choice um they're doing it in a in a different way than just wrestling in older style it's like all right we it, it's just like yo we're gonna just. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it, but whatever we're going to throw unconvincing punches as we all make like sneers at each other uh, between each under between each punch. Like at the beginning of that match, bro. Like the cutoffs in some of these to get momentum between both of them is literally like not like someone blocked a punch, someone made a mistake. It's I throw a punch, I look around, I walk up. And then I get punched in the, or I get like my, my punch counter and I get punched in the face. Now I'm selling. I was like, yo, this sucks. <laughs> y'all are fucking better than this. What the fuck yeah. are y'all doing? Like in, um, I had gotten into a, a thing or not a thing, <laughs> it, uh, but it was like, it was a kind of a, like a conversation I was having with finish show where it's like, yo, what has happened to the, to the Usos and Roman? Like they are not like, they're not old guys. Like why are they wrestling like their edge now? They're, they're not in their, 40s they're in their 30s still and none of them have like some significant injuries that you know we can you know see what the fuck's going on and he was saying well you know maybe it's you know more you know more juice out to squeeze just doing the doing these matches i was like okay cool is somebody gonna tell seth to stop doing to stop wrestling how he was wrestled then because seth goes out there and you can say what you want to about like um about yeah you know, maybe he's not a Kenny Omega. Maybe he's not a Dang, a Brian Danielson. Maybe he's not uh, a Will Ospreay. Maybe he's not a Shingo Takagi or whatever else. Maybe he's not Shiri or Utami or whoever else, right? There are people who will insist he is for some reason, but, but never mind that. Regardless of that, that dude consistently brings his ass out to television and to pay per view since two thousand, since he uh, since like a year after he tore his, his tore his knee up. And he does nothing but go out there and have quality matches. There are they matches of the year, probably not, but they're quality matches nonetheless. And some of them are great. Some of the times they're they're kick ass. And he has a, and he has same matches. Y'all can't convince me that dude's bump card is somehow worse or somehow uh uh 
not or somehow less than Roman Reigns, who's on fucking uh not even part, not even full time schedule. Like if this dude's only gonna wrestle on pay per view or wrestle twice a week or, or twice a month or whatever else, then where is it? When is he ever gonna show it? He used to. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I I just hope the rest of the promotion like stays far away from this because like you know, uh, bro. When, when I see Gunther like they're, sitting on the same roster, rich, right? Like Rich, Rich, they're about to do. Uh, is it Jimmy? They're gonna do Jey Uso and Roman Reigns no, at no, SummerSlam. Sorry. They're about to do Jey versus Roman at SummerSlam. A, a no hoper, a no hoper in your SummerSlam main event. Rich, forget that part. Forget that part. Forget that part. Right. They tease that they're going to do Gunther versus Drew McIntyre on SummerSlam. Are you out know, of your I fucking know, I, mind? Like, if you're Roman Reigns and you're wrestling like this, and the whole idea is we're going to have boring, we're going to have boring matches that are built on storytelling, right? Okay, cool. That's what you want me to do. I'll do it. That's my job. You're the you're the booker. You're the employer. I'll do what you tell me to do. And then you go right behind me and say you're going to put Gunther versus Drew McIntyre on. Fuck you. You're making me like an asshole. Uh, I, I think they're choosing it. it. It's not. This is not something that's being forced upon <clears throat> them. They're all working in conjunction. Just in case. Just in, just in case he's just doing his job. And because we don't know. I don't know what they're. T- I don't know where to tell him. I don't know what he what input he has. But if they're telling him to go, if they're telling him we want you to do this, and he's like, "All right, boss, I'll go out there and do what you tell me to do." And then they send out Drew McIntyre in in what's called that's fucked up, bro. When they walk through the curtain, they're all getting backpats for doing that shit. Like trash. Like I I feel like we should like search. Charting like on all these stadium shows, how much Gunther like is gonna smoke whatever's in the main event, like, and it's been happening for quite a while now. Except obviously on this show because like they they fucked his time. Whatever, I think that but, match was probably like three and a quarter, yeah, and it was short. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I didn't like this match at all, and it was like it wasn't like yo i was even looking for anything to dislike it was just jumping out at me like it was like yo i know you don't fuck with this like here here you go all this standing around all this talking the exposition dumping um and it was just it's just too much i i, I just don't like i don't connect with it and it's just like man what what happened to to like, like i thought they were going to try to do uh, an epic match, and right. to, in some in some people's opinion, maybe they did right. However, I don't see how it's any different than any of, of these other matches that are overrun with interference, ref bumps, low blows, um, sudden like dirty Rich. endings or whatever. Not um, not only is it f- not only is it not different, is it not different. They're self they're self referential to those matches that had that was chuck full of that bullshit. Rich, I'm go I'm going through when I was on um, live, you know, tweeting about this thing to y'all, right? Bruh, this Samoa Civil War match is killing me. Pick it the fuck up, right? It picked up for two minutes and now they're all laying on the mat. Hockey fight. Reigns and Usos, uh I'm sorry, uh ref bump, a visual pin. And then I say in quotes, fuck you, Cody, LOL, because he because 
Jay got a visual, or sorry, Jimmy or Jay got a visual pin, but Cody couldn't get one at WrestleMania in the main event of WrestleMania. Uh, the thir- WrestleMania 37 stack pin kick out. Fuck you, Daniel Bryan and Edge. Uh, I was, and then I said at one point, like, well, bring out the bulldozer since we're all, t- since y'all telling stories. That should be, that's a part of the canon. That's a part of the, of the, of the tapestry of this thing. Uh, so I, so then I say, like, solo stinks, bro. <laughs> then I was like, then I explained why, why I said he stunk. Like, bro tried to make a, a snooker cage match dive moment off a barricade splash through the announce table. Like, you fucking dork. You lame ass nigga. You like, jumped two look, feet. I, look, I understand. Listen, I understand that in retrospect, when people look at that cage, you're like, bro, it's an eight foot cage. It's not that big a deal. But in the 80s, it was a big fucking deal that snooker came off the top of that cage. Now, man, Azumi did a fucking moonsault off a now, fucking cage. Now, right, right. Now, excuse me, Starlight Kid. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, Azumi did a double diving foot stomp off the cage. Uh, Hazuki did a, a senton off the cage. You know, the bear did the, did the bear fall off. There's a bunch of, look, we can't be comparing them to stardom. We're, it's unfair for us to be comparing them to stardom at this point. But the goal from that moment in the 80s to is 2023. And we have a motherfucker jumping off a barricade that is four feet off the, off the ground. And he's calling for it like it's the big anticipation of he's going to die. He's going to die four feet onto a three foot off the ground table. Get fucked. Are you kidding me? So, so then I go from there. Low blow, kick out, LOL. And at the end, I saw the match ended. I was like, bro, this went 32 minutes. This went 32 minutes. I In 32 minutes, I probably saw like eight minutes of good action in this match. With, 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 three, cap, with three competent, capable, sometimes even great wrestlers in it. I got eight minutes out of 32. Fuck y'all. That's bullshit. Yeah, man, I did not enjoy this, uh, and I'm I'm even hesitant about keeping that three on there. Uh, like it was just it was just everything I don't like, like all in one. It was like the culmination of it. Um, and then we look forward to SummerSlam, as I mentioned. Jey Uso presumably you would think he's gonna get uh, a title match with Roman, and I'm I don't no need to hear this, but like it's like a no hoper kind of thing, and right. almost all this stuff seems like it is now just to keep Cody and Roman away from each other. It's all no hope stuff. Yep. Um and which is why they gave is... me pinfall because like just good booking. You got a weak challenger, gotta put everything you can into it to get people to believe that like what they already what you know, to believe different what they already know going into it was initially was initially like you realize it's a plan. It's like, oh he's not winning. Oh well, we gotta give him yeah. this. Maybe people yep. think, oh well maybe well maybe my ass. You know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I, I think it would be a disaster if the person that actually beat Roman Reigns for the championship isn't the someone that you're going to use as a as the top star of the company. So just from that logic, like yeah. it's yeah. like what? I think your your hardest of a hardcore bloodline fan like thinks the Jay Uso angle is much more exciting. Um, I'm going to disagree with them uh, from a general standpoint just because of. Uh, my eyes um, <laughs> and history and all that. But um, if it was me, I would have been looking for some, some you know, sub 32 year old, you know, to, to figure it out. I know you don't necessarily have all those, um, you know, at, you know, available to you or anything, but, you know, I, th- this Cody thing looks crazier and crazier in hindsight now. 
And it's just like it, when they come back around with them next WrestleMania, it's going to be like, y'all just did all this just to like, it just, just to kick the can down the road. And I don't know, man. It, not for me. So, um, my my thoughts on when you said like if if uh, <laughs> if Roman puts his cousin over for the title, I'd just be like, oh, well, that'd be We got to put, put Roman Reigns on for next year. Yep, I, I did not draw the title to the, to this dude from AW. I kept the belt in the family. Not even that. It's like I I basically was given my choice to put it on whoever I wanted to, and like I gave I decided to put it on my cousin who's the tag wrestler, who would immediately who will immediately lose it either probably back to me or to you know or to like what am I or or to his brother who's also my cousin. You know what I'm saying? Like real real nasty business. That would be nasty. Real that would nasty be insanely business. nasty. I. No, no, no. Think, look, 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 you look, you put, is it Jimmy or Jay? I keep forgetting if it's Jimmy or Jay. It's Jay. You put it on Jay, right? You have Solo win it, right? And then Solo can then like turn on Roman, which then turns Roman back baby face. And then Roman yeah. can get it back from Solo. Cause yeah. you know what, you know, all this leading back to eventually Solo is going to turn on Roman and Roman's going to be the baby face and he's going to face, he's going to face his, his youngest cousin to get the belt back. That's where all this is headed. I don't know about that. But bro, I like it. Look, if it does play out that way, that's one of the nastiest booking I've seen of all time. Hulk Hogan would be jealous of that. Hey, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Tam Nakano. You try to put you try to put it on your people. (laughs) You you just try to put over your people. You know, (laughs) like this. This ain't (laughs) cronyism, nepotism. That's what what Perez is all about, baby. It was like it was like yo. At least Hangman was a star. Like, hey, 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 <laughs> fuck? Hey, hey, Roman Reigns, the last real worker. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Sick. All right, so seven eight event. Um, Seth Rollins for the, what is the name of this title? Oh my god! Uh, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Okay, WWE World Heavyweight Title: Seth Rollins versus. Uh, Finn Balor, um, this match started out with them, um, you know, telling the story of the bad ribs from Seth. It's slow. To, it's hard to get into Be- at the beginning. Before you do that. All right. This video package they played before this where oh, yeah. they have this nigga Finn Balor talking about seven years ago. I'm like, brother. Have you explained why you fell off that top rope yet since you're talking about the past? Um, good point. My my thought was when I watched the video package was, wow, you're talking about SummerSlam 2016, even in talking about like uh, the the resentment you have towards Seth Rollins from that moment on. I don't see. I don't seem to recall you mentioning any of this in 2018 when you feuded over the Intercontinental Championship. This fucking sucks. Yep. Um. So anyway. Like, oh, uh, now y'all want us to remember some shit? Okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um. I think I'm taken out of the match from there, but <laughs> yeah. So after they tell, after they set the world of working over Seth's ribs. Um, you start getting some some fun stuff between both of them. Um, it was a, it, like the last two thirds of his match was were, were really good. Um, 
lots of stories of like, okay, Seth goes for the uh, frog splash. He ends up uh, uh, battling his knees up, Seth selling it. Um, and then, you know, there's a double down, both on the ground. Out comes Damian Priest, who had just won Money in the Bank. And um, he looks like he's going to cash in, which then sets up a part where uh, Seth Rollins says, I'm, you know, I got eyes in the back of my head, which then proceeds to seconds later, he gets taken out from behind by somebody, <laughs> which made me fucking out. <laughs> Poetic. He's right, right. Uh, and he's a baby face saying this. It wasn't like he was a healer that was trying to, you know, whatever. Um, Balor. Bro, I will never cheer for Seth Rollins, ever. <laughs> So Balor gets Seth dead to rights, and he's about to go up for uh, the double foot stomp, the coup, the coup de grace. And uh, next thing you know, ba- Priest gets up, stands up uh, by ringside, which then distracts Balor. And then Balor was like, "Oh, I'm distracted. What are you doing? All right, well, never mind. I, I know I'll, I'll just jump anyway." Misses, and then gets curb stomped. And then, like after this, you know, three and three quarter star match, where. It was a stretch and finished the fucking. I went up three and a quarter, but you know. What you say? Zone. I, was, I went three and a quarter, but you know, the easy zone. Um so after that happens, like Priest has m- money in the bank in his hand. Rollins was just dead to rights seconds ago <laughs> until you fucked it up for your own teammate. He has bad ribs that Ballard just worked over. And there's no fucking cash in. You're a fucking moron. I <laughs> what are we doing? Now I know I know people are gonna be like, well, he was disagreeing, arguing with him, Balor, that's why he can cash in. He what lost. Is, what is Balor gonna do? Balor gonna cut off his own friend because he was him? too stupid to jump off after he after uh uh after he got distracted by the dude standing up. He got distracted by someone standing up. Who do you think they is, James? Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi? <sighs> Who do they think they is? So Seth, so Seth skates. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the angle dragged this match down. Um, they only Definitely got 12 did. minutes. And I don't know. Maybe Bowers getting a little older at this point. Um, I know he was great a couple years ago in NXT. But uh, I don't think they're going to be allowing him to get his jaw broke out here for the, for the love of the game. That wasn't the only um, great match he had in NXT. <laughs> Stop it. That's the best one. It is. It is. It absolutely is. I was thinking about this. I was actually thinking about this uh, when um when I was having a talk with Finishell about like Seth standing in like the world when it comes to pro wrestlers as far as in-ring talents. And I was like, look, man, like, like no disrespect to him. He's an all-NBA guy still, but he's not an MVP candidate. Like, this is basically where I'm getting at. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say he's not great. He is, but he is a certain level of great that is not like, oh, he's one of the ten best wrestlers in the world. He's one of the five best wrestlers in the world. Nah, he's around that, you know, all that NBA. Man is a per- ben- that man is a bench all star. Yeah, yeah. At best, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go there with you, Rich. I'm not going to go there with you. There are some people who don't even want to give him that. Yeah, that's true. That's that's true. But, you know, I'm also taking into account, like, he's doing restricted plate wrestling where a lot of people aren't. So, like, I'm, I'm I'm adding that. I'm factoring that into the equation, right? And so, so for me, I'm watching it, and I'm just like, when they're having that conversation with Finish I'm just like, bro, 
what's 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 Seth's best match in WWE? And then I then I immediately thought was like it ain't better than that fucking match uh, Balor had with O'Reilly. <laughs> no, 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 it ain't. So, but yeah, uh, it was it was it was it was. I don't know if this uh, moves the story forward or whatever else. It probably does between like teasing ascension between Balor and, and uh, Judgment Day, but it's like why would you break them up? Why? Or while you have them, or or this whole story is they're going to be so stupid and jealous of each other they get in each other's way, and that's how Seth survives and keeps the title. Shit, like it's amazing. Like you know, they they did this whole money in the bank shit. Don't none of them want to go near Roman. <laughs> don't know, yeah. no, no, like nobody wants to challenge. You don't, you don't want any of them three titles Paul Heyman's holding. We, you know what. You know how we do like these uh these fantasy drafts, whatever else, and we finally try we try to find like the pictures of the wrestlers when they have like the most belts or like the nicest look looking pictures. Like yeah. I want somebody when they draft the manager, they draft Paul Heyman, I want I want them to grab the picture of him holding the three fucking belts. <laughs> <sighs> like he's a wrestler. Like like this is the J crown for managers right here. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> or the H crown, my bad. But yeah. Uh so Money in the Bank women's match, uh, EL Sky, Zoe Stark, uh, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus, and Zelina Vega. Um, this match here, man, um, it's been a while since I've seen a match start in one direction and then like positively switch and, and go the other way. And it's been a minute. I can't think of rolling really off the top of my head. But like this match at the start, I was like, oh, no. This is going poorly. This is going very poorly. And I don't know, but it was, but like around the time, like maybe a few minutes before, um, the, uh, Canadian, not Canadian, uh, the flip sunset flip bomb, uh, through the ladder bridge, I was like, oh, this picked up. And then it kept going in like a lot of this interactions between Becky and Trish worked out very well. And um, I thought this—I thought this turned around. I thought this ended up being a very good match by the end. I don't really have a star rating for it. I probably have to watch it again. But I thought this turned out to be very good by the end. After I thought this was headed really badly. My my initial thought was it was a bad match with a good finish, mm, okay. um, because like I thought the the handcuff thing was probably one of the more innovative like money in the bank Brilliant. kind of finishes Brilliant. that I've ever seen, and it's rare to innovate. Uh, in, in this style of match, yeah. uh, just as Zelina Vega, who was getting props for that Andrade and Finn Balor move, um, yep. like she invented you know, it. But you know, um, Finn Balor bounced off that fucking thing, bro. That shit was totally different than what happened in this match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Balor wasn't planning on bouncing, but it, it just happened. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like she was crazy, but um. It, it felt like there were uh, a couple different distinct uh, stories kind of going on. Obviously, there was Becky trying to deal with Trish and Zoe, Zoe Stark. There yeah. was Bailey and EO, and would and you know Bailey basically betraying EO, but EO just like not quite recognizing that for whatever reason. And yeah. um, I had the press conference on after, and you know they kind of tried to present themselves as a united front, but there's clearly a problem there. Oh um, yeah, goes through her. And you know, Zelina Vega was there. You know, she she got to have a moment. I feel like a lot of Money in the Bank. Uh, this show was like giving people um, rewards for how for how over or how well they did in Puerto Rico. 
Oh, we gonna get to it. So, um, but Eo wins. Um, that was that's nice of them to do that. Can she just announce that she's casting in and would like to face Oscar at SummerSlam? Can can we just do it and and like so they can just present it. Uh, they don't have to come up with a storyline. They don't have to try to do some horrible angle to set up the Joshi. Just say EO's like, I would like a shot at the title. It's the easiest, literally, it's a layup waiting for him right there. Um, look, it's not like anybody tries to fight Rhea Ripley anyway for, for her belt or anything. Just have her face Oscar or something. But I know Oscar may be titled. Bianca or Charlotte, but right. I don't know. I don't watch. I don't watch programming, the, but I'm just ha- talking that's about what, what like, I would want. Yeah, like I when she won, my first thought was, oh, she's going to cash in on Rhea because like it's already been earmarked for like post Oscar to be a Bianca Charlotte thing. So you know, um, I, that's what I figured. But uh, yeah. Um, I gotta say, like, as a person who's been, you know, has watched uh, the stardom stuff for the last five years, like, the visual of, like, two horsewomen being on a ladder and one of the three daughters of stardom, like, stepping over them like Iverson over Tyron Lou to get to, you know, the MacGuffin at the top. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was just... That's that's an all timer. We ain't, it, look. That's the pinnacle. It, look, a stardom folk. We ain't never gonna get a better visual representation of what it was, of what it was critically or, or match for match ever. It's never gonna be better. Like EO is literally like just stepping right over the fucking top of Bailey and looking down on uh, Becky as she climbs up and grabs the thing. It's never gonna get better. That's the top. That's the pinnacle. We never get a better one. That that is how we ended the movie. <laughs> That's how we ended the movie. So yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I I thought that match had I, I thought that match had no hope, and then it turned around. I was like, wow, they they hope wins, <laughs> hope, hope wins. Hope wins. I thought that shit was in the stank, boy. I thought that shit was in the stank. Three minutes, three five minutes in, bro. Uh, so yeah. good for EO. We'll see what happens with her. So uh, match before that, Cody Rose versus Dominic. Uh, this match was everything it needed to be. It was, it is Cody, a guy that is the top, uh, hero in the promotion. And he is facing a geek heel, a shithead. And they wrestled this match. Like this geek has no chance. The only thing we're giving him is Rhea making plays on the outside. That's it. And then once that's done with, we finna have Cody roll right back. through that man and, and run through him like a hot knife through butter and bring the fuck on. This is all it needed to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I insist that Cody should have beat him even faster. Uh, <laughs> why even fuck around with it? Just like, just get this this bum out of here um, and Look, whatever. You know, I, like, I, you, you come out there with the Union Jack, like, you know, he could have just posed. They could have just played Kingdom on loop. Uh, for the rest of the match time, they could have they could have had this thing go under three minutes, but maybe they felt like they would zap all of Dominic's heat. But something tells me people will still hate him anyway. Yeah, um, definitely. But um, I don't know yeah. at what point when Cena came. Oh no, Cena came out after. right after this match, which I thought was like, oh, Cena or Cody just left. Now let Cena come out. Um, so C- Cena comes out. 
And big he, uh, reaction. He cuts his great promo. The crowd's eating up every single word about it. And he's like, so, and he does the thing where I'm like, you know, he answers the question, nigga, why are you here? That's cool that you came out. Why are you here? And he like, you know, which begs the question, why am I here? And he's like, you know, I've, I've, I've long talked about my relationship with London and all that kind of stuff. And he says he's here to like, to campaign basically, um, for WrestleMania to have, uh, or to, for London to have a WrestleMania, which obviously screams Wimley because they, because AEW did a Wimley show. But I will say this, I will say this, John Cena for years, Every time they ever end up did an O2 show, like you know, they used to always do those two O2 shows at like in the spring and also in the fall. He will always do one promo at some point during the year where he was like, "I want a WrestleMania here." He has done that for years, so like it was cool that he came out and did that or whatever else. It also lets you know like they're getting a WrestleMania in the next two or three years, and it's going to be in Wembley or Wembley presumably, maybe, yeah. Maybe because like your know, word on the street is like London is like like obviously WWE them uh, doing all these international pay per views this year. This is not out of the kindness of their heart or anything. Oh, they want to get paid to go. Yeah, yeah. Like and from what I'm hearing, like London is like not keen on the idea of paying WWE a subsidiary for for WrestleMania. That could change. That makes sense. It makes sense, but the, like but the difference enough, the difference is we right, get enough towards business as it is. Yeah, the difference their, is their minds. The, the difference is like there ain't no AEW shows in these other countries, which would make them be like, you know what? Normally we'd be asked for like you know for for you know do the chop thing. Normally I'd be asked for a stack. I ain't, I'm, I'm just gonna I, you ain't gotta pay me for this one. We just gonna show. In fact, we'll yeah. pay you to, for the building and we'll just show up and then you can I run know. all your shit like normal. Because we find out we, about we that. We do not man. like this sixty-five thousand uh, tickets paid for this Wimley show, and we got to come out here and assert our dominance. Again. <laughs> we got to let the streets. We back up. Now, I don't know how someone could watch this and then come out on the other side on their Twitter accounts and on their TikTok accounts and say this is not the case. I don't know why it hurts you so much to admit exactly what this is. Like, oh, this doesn't have anything to do with AEW. Then why didn't they run a stadium there at any other time? Right. It's been over now. 20 years. It's been over 20 years. Right. Like, and, and, and you know, it's not going to be next year. It's right. going to be like. It's Philadelphia you know, you're, next year. You're going to have some time to build it up. And then they're going to lie about the number. You're going to, quote unquote, come out on top anyway. So just. Right. You know. It's 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 just amazing. Like the 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 lengths I think that people will go to to say, oh, there's there's no war, there's no you know they don't care about this promotion. Like it's it's amazing the lengths that they'll go through. When I think you can get a lot more out of it by being honest about it, by saying, yeah, they're probably going to go over there. They're going to wait for AEW to, to set the mark, and then they're going to specifically try to beat it. And I, I don't know why acknowledging that is such a bad thing. I they guess like it, I, I, I think the thing is, I think the thing is they're trying to do the thing where it's like they're trying to do the Jay Z Drake thing, the, where it's like we throw shots but don't acknowledge, don't speak, say people's names out loud because like that would mean like if we're acknowledging them. Like it's a bunch of passive aggressive bullshit when it's like, yeah, I, th- I thought I thought y'all were like the alpha males. 
Like, say it with y'all chest. Ain't nobody, look, ain't no, ain't, like, the recognition isn't going to mean nothing because y'all trying to stomp them out anyway, right? Like, yeah, y'all still running NXT shows head to head with their pay per views and shit. Like, we know you, we know your get down already. When, like, when is the, uh, when is that red, white, and blue, uh, takeover thing they're finna, they're finna do late in the month? When is that? I'm not sure. I think, I, I know the last one, Battleground was head to head with Double or Nothing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if the new one, they, they, they put a date out. I didn't know if it matches up with something AEW is doing, uh, this, this coming up soon or not. It you, might, you it know? might be the same day as like, uh, the Death for Dishonor thing. I don't, I'm not sure. It could be. Yeah. Um, um so. But yeah, look, more power to them. Like, I, hopefully the fans in London, like, cause there's WWE fans there in London. Hopefully they, they get a WrestleMania like this. Right. And to like be fair, I, like, given what to happen at Clash of the Castle, if they don't overcharge like crazy, they could put a hundred thousand in the fucking building uh, there. They just they just were out here trying to gouge people. So yeah. I mean, that's look. They, and, and, and whether Wembley, or not they can outsell tickets, shook. sorry. I I think Wembley has them shook. Like yeah, when, yeah. 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 What like whether or not they can outsell um, a stadium show compared to AEW stadium show isn't the question. It's whether or not y'all are going to be so ridiculous with your pricing that you can't do it. That's what happened to Clash, Clash of the Castle. Like, people saw them tickets like, oh, no, 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 we'll wait. And then the tickets oh, dropped and they got down, in and they finally got in there. If you just set the shit at the normal price that are trying to rip people off, you sell that shit out and, and, and you can have your sellout. Just like AEW has their sellouts or whatever else and people are freaking out about those. You can have your, hey, we sold 70,000 or 80,000 tickets to a fucking ba- a football stadium in, in a day. Suck my dick. I'm Vince McMahon. Sign my Vince McMahon and put that on company letterhead. But they, they, they want to gouge people. You know, whatever. Greed is greed. It is what it is. Um, so, match for that. Intercontinental title match. Gunther versus Matt Riddle. Um, Man. Riddle, Riddle came out, bro. And, um, I, you know, I haven't really been keeping track of Riddle since he came back from the rehab thing or whatever else, but he is not even closer as over as he used to be. I think he's had a slight uh, change of character. Um, and also, like, uh, that time off did him no favors because they they wrote him out hastily. Uh, people were aware of his situation. They're still kind of pushing him uh, in a way where they're trying to kind of, like, serious him up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's taking uh, because I think he well, may he have been clown. already kind of what's up. Well, he was a clown for so long. Yeah, yeah, he was a clown for so long, and I think people were used to that that clown. And then like um, they got him in here with Gunther here, and they beat him like he was a job guy, damn near like like he was nothing. Like it beat him in seven minutes with a submission, and Walter was chopping his ankle and shit. And I was like, yo, they beat him like he didn't matter at all. Yeah. And I was, was very win. disappointed by this match. I thought this would be like, I thought they were gonna go crazy. Well, I mean, if this had, I mean, if this had been a, a match that had happened on an NXT Takeover three years ago, four years ago, what are you expecting? You're expecting like some four and three quarter star thing. So yeah, I get it. Um, this match was a good match that went short, and that was more or less the end of it. Um, and I think the crowd was also hurt by like Riddle. You know, riddle star power lack thereof, and um, they went through it. But like, you know, Gunther's a dude, and they fit, and you know, they fed riddle to him. It is what it is. Um, and then they moved on, and you know, McIntyre comes out, crowd loses their shit, and um, Gunther ends up hitting 
McIntyre. Mac, McIntyre is in Gunther with uh, the Claymore, and then he picks up the Intercontinental belt, and the crowd wants to see it. And um, presumably at SummerSlam, and that match is going to be great. That match is going to be great. So um, good luck to uh, Jay. Good luck to Roman. <laughs> um, but you ain't got no shot, bro. You ain't got no shot. Yeah. You know, as long as they don't say, yeah, y'all got, you know, six minutes. You know, as long as they don't say that, you know. I think I think that Drew McIntyre and Gunther get more can get more done in six minutes than Jay and Roman can get done in in thirty minutes at this point. I mean, would you disagree? You may not be wrong. Yeah, you, you may not be wrong. Like, do you remember uh, what pay per view was it? Was it a? Uh, oh, it was that. It was that last man standing between Brock and Roman. Uh, was that SummerSlam last year? SummerSlam last year. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, bro, they got less accomplished than Mecca and Shuri did in their grand pre match, and I and you know people were like oh fuck out of here 15 minute time limit blah, blah, blah. and then I I'm like Rich you watch and then what do you say Rich yeah they, they did like just pick it the fuck up man like his, yeah. <laughs> his yeah. like you get paid handsomely to wrestle I need Stephen A. Smith on these dudes asses that's what I need like you show up to work you just collect the check you steal from the people put in the work do your damn job and then move on to saying something about the Knicks. Talk complain about Obi Top being traded. Whatever. I don't know, man. I it, just just a mess. Just a mess. Uh so match for that. Um Women's Tag Women's titles. Tag match. And Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. An old bit that we haven't really had much to talk about for this year has suddenly returned. And I know what some of you are thinking. Man, Liv Morgan got the pin in this match. Well, brother, this may have been the biggest example of Liv Morgan will never win of them all. Take us through, James. Rich, they immediately beat her ass. <laughs> whoop her whoop her around the ring. Take turns off her ass. I don't recall Raquel even getting in, uh, but there was a scramble at one point um, where like Raquel's laid out and Shayna's in there with Liv and they back up into, they back up Shayna into uh, her corner and, and Rhonda blind tags in presumably to like finish the job on Liv after they, after they, you know, beat the hell out of her. And Shayna just attacks Ronda from behind, chokes her out, and then walks Liv, out and goes up the ramp. And Liv, like Liv is against the ropes, looking on in horror. Yeah, like her parents are shook. fighting or something. She's shook that these two monsters, that these two monsters that beat her ass, are now fighting each other. I, I would have been relieved. I've been like, it's time for me to get the fuck out of here. Gotta roll out the ring. <laughs> yes. I'm going home. I'm getting. I look, I'm packing my bags. I'm getting on the first thing, flying back to the to the Americas, my guy. Uh, so, <laughs> Liv, uh, then Liv and Raquel hit some tandem stuff, and uh, Liv ends up pinning Ronda. And um, I, you presume to expect like a match or program between Ronda and uh, Shayna. Um, but you know, me, but while they're doing that, like they had to drop these, these, uh, these, these paperweights off to Liv and Raquel and, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
uh, like when this whole thing happened, I was immediately I was like, okay. Mercedes is never coming back. Mercedes is right. Mercedes is paperweights, bro. Bro, the bills are horrible, bro. Um, and this the belts look like, great. They're the best looking belts in the company, but but they're, but they're mm-hmm. fucking albatross. Um, so Liv Morgan was only able, or excuse me, this is I think less actually about Liv and more about Ronda. Ronda Rousey was only able to, to lose and do a job uh, after her partner turned on her like Ric Flair at Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety five. Um, I can't even say that because Ron because Shane was out there participating in the whole fucking match. She just said the last thing said, "Oh, you blind tag me? You finna get the you? F- I wanted to kill Liv. I'm, Fuck you! I'm, Hold this. I'm show. tired of it. I'm tired of it. But um, yeah, I uh, when I saw this thing, I was like, okay, so what's happening here? I was like, are they trying to turn Ronda babyface? And then my next thought was like, oh, I know what's going on here." I think Ronda's done. Like, and she's like, I'm going to drop this title. You guys will come over to finish to protect me, whatever. And then I'm putting Shayna over and then I'm going to fuck home. And apparently that is what's happening. <laughs> According to Dave. So, man, um, um, gotta say, gotta this say, is just one of the sorriest runs. Yeah. That's just getting to that. Record. Like, gotta say, like, it's one of the worst runs in the history of the business. Like compared to when she came in compared to even as it was going bad, how she left and then the comeback years later. And this is what you, this is what you give. And to be fair, the sad thing about this is she was the best wrestler in this match of the four, of the four while watching it. it yeah, man, just, um, uh, you know, put him in, a, put her in a coffin. It's official now. Yeah, 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 man. This is, um, you know, hopefully Shayna gets something out of uh, this. I think um, I saw a clip on, on Twitter, and and Shayna did attack her and gave her a knee. Um, and she had cut a promo and said, I forgot what she said, but like I heard the people like yelling for Shayna, like cheering. So like Shayna's clearly supposed to be the heel and people were just cheering her anyway. Like, cause it's like, fuck you. We hate you. We're, we've been ready for your ass to be up out of here. We didn't want um, you to come back. Yeah. And in fact, you came back, we gave you another chance and you immediately shut down while we gave you another chance. Cause you're still hurt because we booed you that one time. Yeah. Um, I, I I look forward to the end. Weak mind, weak spirit, weak body. All that. <laughs> Not built for the business, unfortunately. Built for built for built for the shoots. Not built for the works. How the fuck do you fi- explain that? <laughs> She's the reverse of punk, I guess. <laughs> The reverse CM Punk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, the opener. The men's money in the bank match. LA Knight versus Butch. I still can't believe he's fucking called Butch. He's Butch in fucking fucking London. Whatever. Damian Priest, Butch, LA Knight, Logan Paul, Ricochet, uh, Santos Escobar, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um... 
I thought this match was great. I thought this match was big and dumb and dangerous and stupid and goofy and good as fuck at the same time. This match was so dumb and good. This is the best match on the show. Easily. Easily. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a ring full of guys. Where I was like, man, I, I used to like those guys a lot. Man, I used to love Ricochet. Man, I used to love Shinsuke Nakamura. Pete Dunn's in there. Santos Escobar looks like the Hamburglar. I love Logan Paul. It, 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 oh. And then I had discussion like I didn't see you had said this. I wasn't watching. I was saying the comments, but like I was like, he looks the Hamburglar. I was like, well, wait, is it a Hamburger? Is it a Nightman? Like which one? And then like. Josh Smith, keep it strong. So I was like, well, he looks like Shayna. Oh, that means he's like Nightman then. Okay, he's a Nightman. That settles it. Really, really simple, really quick. Oh, uh, this crowd was on fire. Uh, I, I wanted Logan Paul to win just because I think the guy's awesome. Um, I had a question, Rich. So yeah. when you spell his, when you call him Big Big L O G E, are you calling him Big 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 uh, Logue or Big Loge? Which one? Big, big Logue. Okay, okay, okay. Just had to, get, you know, just make sure. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, big load. You know, uh, I think that's who should they should be. Uh, I'd much rather watch the Logan Paul main event than <laughs> whatever the fuck they got going on now. Is that the last really great match he had? Uh, maybe. I have. I'd have to go through. You the... know, pe- people are positive on the you know him and Cody, but um. Mm. No, 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 no. I don't mean like the. They go through. They they do smoke and mirrors forever and and whatever. I mean like the actual good action stuff is what I mean. Like a match you can actually put anywhere I, yeah. else besides WWE and not get told to get fucked. Yeah, Logan Paul's a savior. Yeah, one hundred percent. I didn't ask that question, but fine. <laughs> But this crowd, <laughs> this, this fucking YouTuber base, is going to put WWE on his back. Bro, Logan Paul, this is man, Paul Levesque to the front of the line. <laughs> they built this promotion around Logan Paul. James, if they built this promotion around Logan Paul, I would. They would have me for a week. Oh my god, that's sad because you you're not lying. You would do this. <laughs> I'm like. Time for Logan Paul. Let's go. Oh my God. The Logan Paul show. <sighs> a real star. Oh my God. Wow. Um but this crowd and this fan base overwhelmingly wanted LA Knight to win this thing. Yeah. I you know, um talking to my trainer at at uh at the boot camp deal, he was you know he was like, he was telling me like every every week he's like, man, this Logan Paul or so he's like, it's L.A. Knight, dude, he's getting over. And I was like, that makes sense. Like it's WWE, like he's gonna do well on the main. If he's in NXT, he's gonna do well anywhere. He's gonna do well on the main roster because he can talk. He's charismatic. Like a lot of people do the Rock and Ric Flair stuff, but like, yeah, I mean, he's definitely compelling um, as a talker, and um, at. You know, I didn't really, I kind of followed that away. But when he came out, and then, like, throughout the match, I was like, nah, he really over. He he really over. Like, it ain't no, this is fun, this is cute. It's like, nah, man, this should be a marquee player. Sorry. Marquee, I, I, look. I, I don't I, think they see him that I don't way. think the match is match. I know he's on the wrong side of 35, all that. 
but like he got the physique. He he does all the stuff that Vince that, that pops Vince backstage. And that's all that matters. And the crowd reacts to him like crazy. Shit, get off the pot. It's time to do it. Ain't nobody ain't nobody in here that can't uh, that can that, you know can't survive without winning money in the bank. In this thing, I'm looking at okay. And then they had this match, and they do all this stupid shit, and Shinsuke Nakamura's out here making moves and plays like a fucking crackhead, which <laughs> it was just hilarious because like we've been always making that joke about he he's doing this shit like a crackhead, yeah, bro. Like he's out dude. here, bro. This man got this man put Damian Priest on a ladder that was between the, the top and middle rope while he's stuck in the uh, stuck in the corner, bends him over the ladder, and then and it gets on the ladder, and then yells ha, and then jumps and does and does and falls like a rock with a with a knee. I was fucking howling like, <laughs> like bro, you too old for this shit. Sit your ass down somewhere. Yo, like, that man is a peer of Hiroshi Tanahashi. That man is broke the fuck up. Bro, I know, but it was like, bro, the stuff he was doing was just hilarious, bro. Good vi- good, good vibrations, and then two minutes later, another good vibration step on the ladder. Um, Logan Paul telling, convincing this 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 big dummy of a, a, a theme of the show, this big dummy, uh, Damian Priest. Hey, bro, you you're tall. We're tall. We could be a team. Let's beat them up, and then gets them to put, set up the tables or whatever else, and then. Cr- Priest turns on him like you big you dummy uh Logan. Then Logan Paul gets uh two dudes on a ladder bridge on uh from the ring to the barricade, and he does a 450 where he lands so short that like he he basically like ricochet and bounces like off of the person he landed on instead of landing flush. He basically like I don't even know how to explain it. Almost like a slip and slide, like his legs come underneath him, and he like basically like his head bops the uh, the floor. I was like, how do you how do you manage to do this? Oh, I know why, because you don't know what the fuck you're doing, because you're a backyarder, you damn dummy. I hope you're okay. <laughs> then we get to a section, another section of the match where Ricochet at the end, where Ricochet and Logan Paul are on the top of a ladder, and the ladder gets tipped over by LA Knight, and they're supposed to they're both supposed to springboard off of or come off the ladder springboard on the top rope and then uh spanish fly to the tables that are set at the floor the two floors or two uh tables stacked next to each other on the floor right not stacked but side by side logan paul fucking misses the rope because he's a fucking backyard that's not experienced in doing these things and you put him in a live press situation on pay-per-view to do this he gets stuck on the rope ricochet because he's a goddamn genie wizard whatever you want to call him he just sitting there floating on the rope, and it was like, all right, well, I'll just adjust and get to the, the second rope. He gets one foot on the outside of the second Bro, he, rope he, and, he, and he, grabs he, Logan he Paul. And grabs Logan Paul and is like, we're just gonna do it, we're just gonna do a, uh, do it right now because there's no way to get away from not doing this while we're stuck like this and, and not like have to interfere with the finish of the match. We have to die. Logan yeah. Paul is he made this decision in a split second because he's been wrestling for a decade or for, for years now. Logan Paul is even Logan Paul is still stuck in the rows. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing because he's a backyarder. He's still, he has one foot. Logan Paul has one foot on the top rope, one foot on uh, the second rope, and his feet are in the inside. So Ricochet grabs him with one foot on the second rope on the outside and just basically hurts him and and gives that man a shoot Spanish fly off the second rope. Through the they table where on Logan the Paul lands on his head and neck on one of the tables. I was horrified. I saw this. I saw this. I didn't know what the setup was. I just saw it. A clip of it was like, 
What the fuck happened? Watch it. It was horrified. Watch it the second time around in full, real, in, in real time, in the whole entire clip of it. What the fuck is Ricochet thinking? He knows better than to do this shit. And why is Logan Paul being put in the position to do this shit? They're fucking up. He fucked up. He fucked up landing on the rope. You don't think he could fuck up getting tripped on or getting on his leg caught on the rope and and dying? He Bro. he's lucky he only landed on his head on the table. It could have been much the worse. Ambition. I respect the ambition. I'm never going to tell dudes what to do in the ring. Um, but this seemed ill-advised. Um, <laughs> once Ricochet's footing got fucked up, it was like, oh, no. I felt like I was watching a slow car crash, like something Bro. bad was going to happen. They didn't quite get over it, and they both land on their fucking heads. Like, And I don't know about you, James. I think this is way worse than the Tiger Driver stuff where yes, uh, of course. Those, those, those guys actually knew what they were doing, and I have spoken um, – and you know i i've talked to some people uh in wrestling that uh agreed with me was and were was saying yeah one will and kenny know what is, they're doing one guy is falling Bro. from under control this on, is ricochet's on, fault 100 percent. yeah one guy is falling under control on a ring mat that is cushioned underneath two two underneath a, a bunch of two by fours or two by sixes whatever you the fuck you want to call them rows of this rows car of right this right all right Right, from like up two feet maybe, two, three feet at the most, right? And getting, and getting dropped, right? And he's getting dropped at an angle, so some of his, and some of it is getting absorbed by his shoulders and arms or whatever else. He's not just getting dropped completely and compressed or whatever else, right? We, it's controlled, period. Regardless of how he falls, it's, it's controlled. What Ricochet and Logan Paul did was absolutely not controlled, and one person didn't even want to fucking go or realize he was even going until he was already in the air going. Yeah, falling from I, the second rope through tables over that's over the top of padding and concrete. If you're going to ask what, me, what's the soft part right. to, to, to land on? Like right. you still got to go through it, that table. It was it was um it was fucking ridiculous. It was you know what it ridiculous. reminded me of? Do you remember when Chris Jericho um messed up that lion salt that one time and like he didn't have his footing set and it was like um uh, it was like still during the pandemic times uh and he still got over but like just barely and people were like oh I think he needs to stop doing the the lion salt but right, like right. it was and all I think a lot footing. of it is due to the, the Hayabusa concerns and that kind of thing yeah right and, and, and like I felt like the same thing watching Ricochet's feet on the jump i was like something bad is about to happen so luckily i you know these guys weren't injured or anything like that but that was like look i thought something terrible was about to happen and also i think like now that we now that this has happened like we now know that like and given that they did the stupid you know flying in the air double springboard colliding to like dumbasses thing of uh how many months ago or last year they like rumble Ricochet, like Ricochet, is like Logan Paul's go-to guy for like flying. Mm. He might be helping out in the PC, and that's Probably. why they're that's why they're comfortable with him doing this because it's fucking Ricochet. But like Ricochet, you're you're one of the most advanced flyers in the history of this of this business. You can't be expecting a fucking backyarder to be doing this shit with you on the fly when you call an audible because you know that you have to do this to get finished. That dude don't know that. That dude thinks everything's supposed to go according to plan because he has no wrestling scene because he's a fucking backyarder that's a rookie. That shit was incredibly dangerous and reckless. Oh my god. They, they, they should put Logan Paul versus Ricochet at SummerSlam just for me. Oh my god. I'd love to see it. Just, no. 
Just no Spanish flies. No shoot fa- Spanish flies, please. And fine. Sure. Oh, man. Uh, overall, uh, it, it wasn't a bad show, uh, but I think you're, you're not going to hear me say this often on this show. I think the WWE pay-per-view standard has been high this year. If yeah. this one didn't reach those standards. Um, yeah. I still say run- that this is better than a lot of stuff we've gotten over the last few years. So, you know, yeah. I think you would agree too. Yeah. Uh, we're running like, kind of long this week to do a full AW review. So like kind of, I mean, it wasn't a good show. Kick, kick that one. It was, I, yeah, it was cool. I like Moxley and Ishii. Yeah. Uh, that was a hell Loved of a it. match. Loved it. Um, uh, and I honestly can't, re- Oh, sting in the main event with the big, big dive uh, yep. at the end like a sicko um i like that match more recklessness more recklessness um i haven't I, heard anybody I i've seen people, people talk about it but i haven't seen many people like oh bro they had a 64 dude 64 year old dude jump off of a ladder like on to uh, a set of tables that were way too far out for him and he ended up getting his mouth busted up on some dude's knees like that's kind of more dangerous than what happened to kenny omega One could say that. Um, trying to think what else happened on the show. Um, uh, uh, there was a, the Elite Trios match with uh, Elite and the Dark Order. I uh, like that match. I, I like three of the matches, but something about the show kind of just felt like off a little bit. Yeah. I, I think I, we were just looking for more out of Forbidden Door, like as far as uh, moving a lot of the the stuff forward yeah. I, I we did get the setup for uh the bcc versus the elite in the um blood and guts yep. so that's going to be july 19th um a good angle uh there um there was a trios match with all the baby faces uh oc vikingo keith lee against uh jazz and yeah, uh, oh. Keith Lee <laughs> had a bad night. Yeah, yeah, they, they him and Vikingo were trying trying something very ambitious, and I knew what they were going for, but right. it took me a second after to figure it out. I knew but, I knew yeah. what you were going for, but it was like, bro, you fell off of this. Like I've seen you literally catch Damian Priest in this position. Yikes! Yeah, a really bad day for him. Um. So he actually will be teaming with Swerve next week. So they're going to, and they're in that blind tournament. So, yeah. Um, yeah do we still not that, know all the all the people in the brackets? We do not know, and that is frustrating. Um, especially when you got three tournaments going on at once. It's like, all right, I guess it's supposed to be blind or whatever. But um, apparently, that's blind to us too. You know. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, uh, Jack Perry had had his first heel promo. They're kind of setting up with him and Jungle Boy or him and Hook. Um, and his promo was lackluster, I'd say. Um, it wasn't, you know, what everyone was looking for, I, yeah. I think. But, um, you know, he'll get more reps at it. So I'm not really worried about him there. Um, him and Hook is kind of interesting. <laughs> as a concept uh because it's like it's two young guys and one of them's been invested in a little bit longer than the other one i think they've got to make a choice on one of them and if it's me i'm you know i'm, I'm pushing jack right now so hook, hook him wait oh, the one that we actually know can wrestle well 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hook and wait. Um like, we, like We'll see eventually. We'll find out. Um the longer we wait, the more questions I have. Yep. But um yeah, I guess we can wrap it up cuz like I don't you know, I don't yep. want to end up doing another hour segment right, here right, so right, right. <laughs> yeah uh that's in the show y'all thanks for listening be sure to raise over happy using listeners with and uh if you're watching from the stream uh look at the cash app look at the uh paypal and go there and donate there uh and if you are listening uh on the podcast you can look at the show notes or show description and find the red circle link there to donate there and be sure to listen to the other shows on the network. Besides one show radio, you have Keeping a Strong Style, the Ricky and Live Wrestling Show, Grown Men Watch This Shit, uh, the Grape Consequence Podcast, 8 Bit Suplex, All Things Elite, Get in the Ring, Meet the Press Slam, and Great Match Generator. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace.